Summer driving is here, and so are the red-hot deals on the best tire brands at Dobbs. Money saver June deals on new sets of Goodyear, Cooper, Continental, Michelin, and Pirelli tires. Click on GoToDobbs.com to find your next set of tires today. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. Guess what day it is? Huh? Hump day! Good morning, everyone. Happy Hump Day. Great to have you with us. Character Small and Smallman, 101 ESPN at 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex Jeweler. Michelle, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, Randy, and happy Hump Day to you. I, I'm absolutely thrilled that we're celebrating a Hump Day w- w- in which the Cardinals won a game, not just won a game, but they won a game in L.A. against the Dodgers. In exciting and dramatic fashion, too. It was sensational. If you didn't get a chance to hear it overnight, John Gant was terrific. Michelle, John Gant in L.A. against one of the best, most talented teams that we will ever see. He went six shutout innings. He allowed four hits. Of course, he had to walk three. He struck out four, <laughs> but his earned run average now 1.60, and the Cardinals win it 3-2. And John Gant, I was telling you earlier, all the cool things that happened in this game, and the highlight for me is that John Gant gave a quality start at Dodger Stadium. He's a wizard. He, he gets into these situations. He somehow always gets out of them. And you always say, uh, appreciate the journey, not just mm-hmm. the outcome. I feel like with John Gant, you know you have to settle in, and it's going to be a bit of a journey. But in the end, the outcome is always or usually what you want it to be. And for the Cardinals last night, it was a victory. The Cardinals took a 2 nothing lead, and Gant made that hold up. But then things kind of got away from the Redbirds in the bottom of the seventh inning. The Cardinals... Uh, allowed a runner to get on and that happened to be Albert Pujols and he was pinch run for Matt Beatty stepped to the plate and hit a two run homer tie game 2-2 and we're all thinking oh, oh, oh this is falling apart Yeah, but that wasn't the way it went we get to the ninth inning the game still tied 2-2 Tyler O'Neill singles to center steals second to bring up Edmundo Sosa here's a 1-2 pitch Sosa puts it in play. Base hit in the left. He scores. Here comes O'Neal. He will score. And the Cardinals have taken the lead. Three to two here in the ninth. And Sosa winds up at second. We know that Tyler O'Neill has the pop, the power. We know that Tyler O'Neill is a gold glove defender. I am never not surprised when I see him and I see the speed. It is remarkable every time I see him shifted into high gear. And I'm like, man, that guy can fly. He doesn't look like he should be able to run like that, does he? He does not, but boy, does he have wheels. He's amazing. And he is. I was thinking about this last night as I'm watching the game. He's a 5'2 tool player, but he he can't use all of his tools all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes the tools fail him, but he has them all. He they're, does. They're in the toolbox. They're there. So we're feeling pretty good, okay, because Alex Reyes is on the mound, and he strikes out the first hitter, Chris Taylor. And then he gets McKinstry to fly out to left. And then, uh-oh, they send up a pinch hitter, Tutsugo walks. 
Cody Bellinger singles to go to second, and that brings up former MVP Mookie Betts. The 2-1. Betts out to left. O'Neal back. He caught it! Tyler O'Neal with the catch up against the wall, and the Cardinals win it! 3-2, and what a play by O'Neal to finish off game two! There's that speed. There's that defensive ability you're talking about. If you were asleep, you need to go to Twitter or ESPN.com or wherever you get your highlights, and you need to see this catch that Tyler O'Neill made. It Phenomenal. was sensational. Absolutely sensational. And what a revelation he's been since returning from the IL. He is hitting the daylights out of the ball. He's playing great defense. And he's such a key for the Cardinal lineup, Michelle. We talk about it a lot, having a long lineup. Your lineup is significantly longer if Tyler O'Neill is in it, if you don't have to play Lane Thomas and Williams on right. a regular basis. Absolutely. And, and that's where, where the Cardinals are. So, oh, Tyler, you have the top of the ninth where you steal a base and score the run, and then the bottom of the ninth where you basically save a victory. Those are both just go-get-em plays, you know, this full throttle end of the game. So, um, you know, Trinia was a little uh, little slower. You know, bullpen guys are usually a little slower out of the out of the pen. So, uh, you know, I was able to take that bag and put myself in scoring position. Uh, for Sos, who did a great job in that uh, in that at bat, you know, showing bunt prior and able to get to get a ball through, uh, score me in there. Um, you know, the play I was just just in go get it mode, um, all or nothing. You know, so we uh, you know that's what we train for. So we take reads every day in BP. So we live for making those catches late in the game. So we were able to get her done. That is what you live for, to be able to save the game in that manner. And it's Mookie Betts at the plate. Mm-hmm. You're at Dodger Stadium. That's exactly what you live for. And Tyler O'Neill, he capitalized on the opportunity. So well done. Giovanni Gallegos gets the victory. Two innings. He did allow those two runs. He allowed the home run by Beatty. Alex Reyes with his 16th save. And it was a bullpen game for the Dodgers. Let's be honest about it. But they have a pretty good bullpen. When you have David <laughs> Price starting a bullpen game and then Joe Kelly coming on to be your second pitcher, you got things going pretty well. It just kind of makes you laugh that you think, oh, bullpen game. Maybe this is one the Cardinals can steal. Oh, David Price getting the ball. Okay, <laughs> great. Now, all the news wasn't great for the Cardinals. Obviously, on Monday night on Memorial Day, Jack Flaherty left the game with an injury to his side. And John Mozeliak updated the media yesterday on that injury. Yeah, we, we, we have done an MRI this morning, and the initial read on it is is there is a strain in his oblique. We do know we're going to have to place him on the um, on the IL, and then ultimately we'll bring up uh, Oviedo or recall Oviedo today to replace him. Either stick Oviedo in, into that spot or stick somebody like a Woody into that spot. You know, obviously losing Jack is, is not great news, and... Um, you know, this year we've been challenged by injuries, which a lot of teams have, and we're just going to have to make the best of it. And Mo with Jimmy the Cat Hayes on Bally Sports Midwest with the news about Flaherty. So looks like it's going to be a while, Michelle. We talked yesterday about oblique injuries, and that's exactly mm-hmm. what it is. And Mike Schilt gave us the idea that it was going to be longer rather than a short-term stay on the IL for Jack. A significant oblique injury, and I don't think it's a surprise to anyone that was watching the game because you saw it in his face. You saw Mm -hmm. it after that swing, the grimace. You saw that he was in pain, and he doesn't take himself out of game. So you knew that he wasn't coming out just because he felt a small tweak here or there. It must have been something that he really felt and that he felt he could not go out and pitch. And this is a huge blow for the Cardinals, obviously. This was their ace. This is Jack Flaherty. And... 
oblique injuries can be so touch and go. And I, you, you already have Miles Michaelis, so you don't mm-hmm. anticipate to be there for the year. And I hope that Jack Flaherty, we see him at some point this season. And this isn't something that yeah. he comes back and then it persists or it flares back up again. It's just... This is a big, big blow to a, to a team that definitely needs him. And the pesky Cubs keep winning. Ugh. They beat the Padres 4-3 to three last night, so Chicago remains in first in the Central. With eight wins in their last ten games, they've won two in a row, and they're now 31-23. and 23. The Cardinals 31-24, and 24, and the Brewers are still hanging around there, two and a half games back of the leading Cubs, two games behind the Cardinals. Redbirds and Dodgers wrap up their series tonight, 8-10 with the action on Bally Sports Midwest and Carlos Martinez will go for the Cardinals against Walker Bueller who's 3-0 with the 2.66 earned run average. Hockey last night, the Lightning over the Hurricanes by a score of 2-1 and Tampa leads that series. Two games to none in the NBA last night. Michelle, you and I mentioned that we were flipping back and forth between a couple of games. The Suns just thumped the Lakers 115-85. Anthony Davis not in the lineup for L.A. LeBron couldn't do much, and Devin Booker was unbelievable. And so the Suns lead that series three games to two, a game away from knocking out the defending champs, and quite a game between Denver and Portland. Damian Lillard had an unbelievable game. 55 points. He he broke the NBA playoff record, 12 three-pointers, and they Portland ended up losing in double overtime to Denver in game 5. How must it feel to score? It's his wife has to get on on social media and say sick of it. Sick of it. He, he scores 55 and they lose. 55 you break an NBA playoff record and then you don't win the game. That has to be so frustrating. And if you're one of his teammates, what do you say to him after the game? Sorry, dude. <laughs> Our yeah. bad. Yeah. Great job. Yeah. You, you, you were electric out there. Sorry we couldn't win. But he he had one of the all-time great performances, and it's such a shame that he didn't get the victory. And he's one of the more underrated players because of where he plays on the West Coast, and nobody pays attention to the Blazers aside from Blazers fans. But it's not like even when he scores 55, people are saying, oh, Dame Lillard. Right. He's got commercials and everything. He's He's got endorsements. But he seems to me to be really overlooked. Big time. Um, during the Suns-Lakers game, at one point near the end of the game, LeBron left and went into the tunnel. And mm-hmm. I saw a bunch of memes on social media last night where it was someone holding up a phone. And it's like LeBron running to the locker room to call Dame to make sure he's coming to <laughs> L.A. next season. <laughs> right. And the other game last night, Brooklyn eliminated the Celtics with a 123-109 win. Jason Tatum 32-9-5 for the Celts, who are out of the playoffs. And... I'm not so sure who's going to beat Brooklyn. They look unbelievable. They have everything going. They're having fun. Kyrie is smiling. He was great last night. Harden a triple-double, 34-10-10. And And right now, as we speak, Kevin Durant is back from that Achilles and might be the best player on the planet again. He is. He's definitely... I was I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about if KD wins again, if he wins, he's finals MVP. Is he in the GOAT conversation? Do you put him up there with LeBron? I believe you have to. He was there before he got hurt. And I don't think an injury should remove a guy from GOAT talk. Mm-hmm. And granted, he's on a super team, but he's the best guy on the super team. So I, I will put him in there. Not Not GOAT, but... What's the greatest of current times, if I could get that in there? Greatest of this era? Yeah. G-O-T-E. 
Oh, that goat. <laughs> goat. G-O-T, greatest of this era. And it's not as if LeBron hasn't played on teams with superstars as well. Exactly. He obviously went to Miami for the big three, and he's playing with AD now. So I don't think that we should make that a knock against KD while also not acknowledging that LeBron has done the same thing. Right. So the NBA is fun and a lot of NBA action for you here on 101 ESPN. And, of course, we'll have, uh, as we get deeper into the playoffs, more of the action here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we want you to get your texts into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 because we've got a little addition on hump day of Ask Uncle Randy. Whatever question you might have for me, 65780. If you want to leave it with a mic drop, you can use the Rhino Shield mic drop with your 101 ESPN app. You are next with Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. I've been around, you know. It is time for Ask Uncle Randy on 101 ESPN. And, uh, hey, you know, that's just one of those things. When you are wise, when you've been around, people will ask you questions. And I'm willing to share that wisdom. You know, Randy's a little older. Yeah, and with that being the case, I'm more than happy to help you out. So any text you might have, 65780, I will answer. Michelle, what do you got? It's so nice of John Mozalock to point to your age and your wisdom. Mo gets it. Mo understands. I'm sure Mo has some questions for you, too. Life advice questions. (laughs) Okay, question number one. Dear Uncle Randy, my girlfriend and I live together, and we trust each other a lot. We have the passcodes to each other's phones, but recently she asked if she could enable the find friends aspect on my phone, which means that she can track me at any time. Like I said, we live together. We trust each other. She can get into my phone anytime. I don't know why this bothers me so much. Should I just let her do it and avoid the fight? If you are doing things that would lead to a level of distrust on her part, then don't allow her to do it. But if you trust each other and you give her reason to trust you, this is just another reason for her to trust you implicitly. So if you aren't doing anything wrong, don't worry about it. If you're not doing anything she doesn't like, don't worry about it. But if you are doing something, even if you're just going out with the boys and she's not on board with it, I would say come up with a reason to not allow her to find friends. She doesn't need to know every... You're not married every little thing that you're doing. But he's right, though. If he says no, she's immediately going to be suspicious as to why he says no. She I get, is. I get his point about trying to avoid the fight because it'll probably be an argument. Yeah. Like, and you the, imagine? And the, the best way to handle this is to say, yeah, let's let's both do that because I want to know where you are all the time, too. So I, I think that's cool. If If you trust each other and you're fine with it, then... If you are, like I say, if if she's not going anywhere, she doesn't want to want you to know about. It. If you aren't going anywhere, don't worry about it. And by the way, eventually she'll get bored of trying to follow you around. She's not going to look at the app all the time. And if she already has your passcode to get into your phone, yeah, that seems like a bigger step to me than enabling the, the find your friends option. I would say so. Okay, good job, Randy. From the 314, Dear Uncle Randy, I bought a Traeger over the weekend. I smoked a brisket and a pork butt. Should I be concerned that it's changed my life already? No, it's a (laughs) life-changing event when you get a Traeger. So, no, don't be concerned about that. Take advantage of their recipes. Take advantage of the low and slow. Use all the different wood pellets that are available. No, this is a good thing. When you can hole up in the backyard and smoke brisket and pork butt, 
what's the problem? No, this is a great thing. You you have experienced a life-changing event, and I'm proud of you and happy for you. And to our text from the 314, try a cake on the Traeger. Yes, uh, on the Traeger recipe page, just go to TraegerGrills.com, and on the recipe page, find that carrot cake recipe Ooh. and make it. Amazing. From the 314. Oh, can I give a little pro tip, by the way? Yeah, always. The... the uh, the Traeger carrot cake recipe is not written perfectly. So there's, if you go to the Google machine, and I, let me just double check for you. I believe it's Sam's carrot cake. It's the same recipe, but it's written in a cleaner, smoother fashion than the Traeger recipe. Let me just make sure it's Sam's carrot cake. Uh, but it's the same recipe. Just make that one and put it on your Traeger, and you'll be fine. Yeah, Sam's famous carrot cake at allrecipes.com. So just Google Sam's Famous Carrot Cake. That's the same recipe. Sam's and, Famous. But on Traeger's website, they have the, the uh, frosting. So you you want to make the frosting. For, they don't have that on the Sam's Carrot Cake all recipes. Uh-huh. Thing. So the frosting is on the Traeger recipe. I feel like it should be renamed to Randy's Famous Carrot Cake. I agree. I mean, you've made it popular here. Just saying. Okay, so this one from the 314 outlining a parlay that he had last night. Okay, let me write this down. For the Cardinals. You don't need to write I'm not going to give you all the details. Basically, it didn't hit. It didn't hit. He says, Uncle Randy, should I ever bet on the Cardinals team total over again? I love the Cardinals, but today hits differently despite an exciting win. Never bet an over against the Dodgers. Just take that one to the bank. Sometimes it's going to happen and you're going to lose. But more times than not, as part of a parlay, don't bet an over against the Dodgers. That should have nothing to do with the Cardinals. And yes, the Cardinals are going to go over now and then. Have they given us a lot of 60-cent drinks at Mobile on the Run this year? No. Mm-mm. But eventually, they're going to be pretty consistent. You're going to walk in and you're going to say, you're going to take your cup up to the counter and they're going to say, that'll be 63 cents. And you'll Oh, yeah, the Cardinals did score six last night. It's a serious number. It'll happen three or four times, and you're going to be really happy about it. But not against the Dodgers, okay? Don't do it against the Padres either. But in our division, take your chances. Yeah, roll the dice on that uh, that FanDuel parlay. Promo code SMALLS. Yes. Now, what is your thought process on betting on your team? Oh, I don't. If my team is good, I don't have any problem. I think the Cardinals are kind of inconsistent. I don't know that I would bet on this Cardinal team, but would I have bet on the 2004 Cardinals all season long? Absolutely. Did I bet on the greatest show on turf? Absolutely. So you just have to pick your spots. You you bet best teams or more most reliable teams rather than your favorite team. I bet that was very fun watching the greatest show on turf. Not only the joy you got as a fan, but then you're making money on the side. They covered every week. Unbelievable. It was great. So fun. From the 314, Dear Uncle Randy, my girlfriend and I, we're craving some hot wings. We can never decide where to go. Got anything for us? Okay. The uh, the hot wing industry is great. And by the way, feel free to text in 65780. Uh, there's a Big A's on the landing in St. Charles that I, I find really good. Uh we don't have any. Oh, the Culpepper's in St. Charles. I think the Culpepper's in St. Charles is still open. Culpepper's wings are fantastic. They're they're delicious. Uh, those are my two favorites. Uh, trying to think. My my other favorite places are they they've closed down during the pandemic, which is kind of disappointing. They could always make wings at home. You can always do wings at home. You can either air fryer them or slow cooker. 
But if you want to get out and about, there are plenty of good wings. We'll get a lot of texts here. Cybergs. Cybergs wings you can never go wrong with. Um, let's see. See some Whitakers, Mulligans. I've never had Mulligans as long as that's been there. Huh. I've never been there either. We'll have to try that out. Sounds good. From the 618, Dear Uncle Randy, why don't you reply or interact with your followers on Instagram? I do. I think you do too. Yeah. Not all the time. I am not dominated. I'm not consumed by social media. But follow him at... RJ Carriker. Yeah, yeah, follow me. But I, I do, <laughs> and I actually, I have a lot of interaction on Twitter. But yeah, my uh, my followers on Instagram, if you have a compelling question for me, I will absolutely respond. Have you been checking your DMs? Uh, on the Insta? Yes, because maybe yeah, people are sending you DMs and you didn't if, know. If people want to send me DMs, let me just check the DMs right now, shall we? Yeah, oh, this is a dangerous game. Okay. This is a dangerous game, Randy. Just I so think, you know. I, I think the way that I am treated on Insta is different than the way you were treated on <laughs> Never Insta. go to the ones that are requests in the corner. It's a oh, dark okay. place. <laughs> yeah, it can Just be. Just warning you. Okay, DMs. Uh, Do you have any unread DMs or unreplied uh, DMs? Uh, let's see. See, the last time I had them was like uh, five days ago. So people, you got to DM me. I'll, I'll interact with you. And you uh, are really, so great about responding to people on Twitter, too. I do, yeah. I get into it with people on Twitter. So in good and bad fashions. So, yeah. Oh, you know what? There we go. Uh, Did you find them? No, I'm just... The, uh, people really are not trying to interact with me. No, they can. I'll be there for you. You've opened the store now. Yeah, if you want to ask Uncle Randy, feel free. Okay, one more for you. From the 314, Dear Uncle Randy, do you think if the NFL went to a playoff series, best of five, it would have the same hype around it, one game a weekend? No, it would take too long. People would get tired of that. I think so, too. Five weekends in a row just takes too long. And you really don't have the opportunity to build up the tension among the players and the fans. Now, if you get to a game five, that might be interesting. But to me, that just is... It's still one game a week. I don't, I don't get that fired up about a game. Like when Seabrook did Wakey Wakey to Bacchus, and we knew we were going to have a game two days later, you wanted to kill Brent Seabrook. Big but time. I think your passion fades over the course of a week, so we don't really want to kill Brent Seabrook as much if it's a once-a-week endeavor. I agree. The, okay, we're waiting a day or two, and we know it's happening then, the anticipation is just right. Yeah. Also, I think the NFL, the way they have their their postseason set up, is pretty good, pretty yeah. lucrative. So People I, seem to like it. Michelle, are you excited? Because oh, you know what, we need to get to uh, Boog Shambi here, but uh, we'll talk about this later. Are, are you excited about the possibility of one of the people that could become commissioner of the NFL? You ruined my day with that. Peter King, Football Morning in America, reported that Kevin Demoff might be considered for NFL commissioner. When Roger Goodell retires in a few years. Randy sent me this in a text yesterday, just an excerpt from the article, and it ruined my day. Did you throw up in your mouth? A little, yeah. yeah. The nausea was there. To think that this person could have been so sneaky and so weaselly and ripped a franchise out of St. Louis and basically broken every guideline that the NFL has in place and then he's going to be rewarded for that by being given the ultimate position for someone that's not an owner, that just makes me sick. It would be horrible. 
All right. Thanks for your text. Appreciate you asking me questions. Feel free to ask me questions on the social medias. I can do that with you. You've heard Boog Shambi over the years here on 101 ESPN and ESPN Radio with his calls of baseball. He's now the TV voice of the Cubs. And today is the inaugural Lou Gehrig Day in Major League Baseball. And... Boog does a lot with ALS and Project Main Street. We're going to talk about what he's doing and about Lou Gehrig Day with Boog Chambi next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. The Cubs keep rolling with a 4-3 win over the Padres last night. They maintain their half-game lead over the Cardinals in the National League Central. And we are joined by Boog Shambi, who is the voice of the Cubs on Marquee Sports Network. And, of course, he is on the board of Project Main Street. That's an organization that provides direct financial assistance to people living with ALS. And today is the inaugural Lou Gehrig Day in MLB. So we wanted to talk to Boog about both of those things, the Cubs and Lou Gehrig Day. Boog, thanks for joining us here in St. Louis. How are you doing this morning? My pleasure. How are you guys? Everything's good. I want to start with this uh, because the Cubs, they've won 8 of 10 and they're in first place yeah. in the division. Here we are early June at the beginning of the season. And granted, there's a long way to go. Did you see this coming? You know what's funny? I, no, I didn't. I, but what happens is this, like regression to the mean is the phrase you hear a lot. And so for that to happen, it can play out in extreme. So remember, this is a team that started off the first 13 games of the season. They had the lowest batting average, third lowest, I should say, all time over the course of 13 games, first 13 games of the year. So, like, that was not going to stay that way. Do you know what I mean? And in order for it to get balanced out, you got to do some stuff to to balance out the scale a little bit. Um, I thought that they would get their offense back, and they have. I thought they'd be a top five or six, you know, in terms of runs per game offense. I think you'd have to say you're – I'm surprised by the bullpen because it's been – fueled at least in part by younger names that we didn't anticipate. So guys like Keegan Thompson and Tommy Nance and Justin Steele, who's now on the IL. And, you know, the last two weeks, the starting pitching is fired up at, you know, sub three ERA. And I don't think I, I definitely didn't see that coming. So I thought, I don't think that there's anybody in this division that is so good that they're going to step on the gas to 94 wins or something. Um, so I, I thought that the Cubs would be able to hang around. But, yeah, this stretch of play has been pretty amazing and, and I think beyond what what I really expected. How has this stretch of play, if it has at all, perhaps altered the front office's plans for this season? Because heading into 2021, it seemed like a foregone conclusion that the Cubs yeah. were going to be what they were and that fan favorites like Chris Bryant might not be long for the team. But has this success that they've had recently maybe changed that notion at all? It's a great I mean, that's the question. And I, I, I would be lying if I tried to answer it. I mean, I look, I think that the thing – at least it changes the thinking around a couple of ideas, right? I think that there are some people, I'm not talking about the front office, but just in general, you know, Chris Bryant last year played 34 games 
In a 162-game season, I mean, we wouldn't even bat an eye at 34-game stretch. You can win an MVP and have a dreadful 34-game stretch, but 34 games was his season last year. And on the heels of 2019, I think the way things finished, I think people were doubting what caliber of player Chris Bryant is. And now it's pretty clear Chris Bryant's still an MVP caliber player. I mean, when you can put him in three outfield spots and two corner infield spots, and he's going to OPS a thousand and continue to deliver extra base hits. I think that's the one that has sort of been, you know, reestablished, but I'm still not answering your question. And I, because I just don't know what in the end will get shifted. Do they go all in and trying to find a pitcher? I, I kind of doubt that. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure what the, whether the, the course you know, gets changed because of the on-field success here. I really, I really don't know. I don't think you're going to see some monster move on the plus side, but I, I, it feels like as long as they're playing this well, it would be hard to be sellers uh, at the deadline, you know? I also think it's amazing, Boog, that the Cubs keep winning despite racking up so many injuries. Yeah, 12 guys on the IL, for sure. Um, that's the that's the other part that's been pretty amazing. And it's funny because really the, the, the quality play has been, um, it coincided with the injuries in getting guys like Matt Duffy into the lineup, Eric Sogar into the lineup, and, you know, a little more contact-based approach, so... I'm not quite sure how, with so many guys hurt, um, I'm not quite sure how you know they're able to to do it. And I don't. I would also say this: if they continue to be this banged up, eventually it's going to go in the wrong direction. You can't, you know, that you can't do it day in and day out where you don't have your regulars out there. They're gonna they're gonna need their guys healthy. Boogies, you might imagine Cardinal fans aren't thrilled by the fact that Randy Rosarena tore up the postseason last year, or that Adolis Garcia leads the American League in homers, but they don't look at those box scores every day. If Cardinal fans have to look at Cubs box scores every day and Patrick Wisdom keeps doing what he's doing, they might go crazy here in St. Louis. <laughs> I know. I, it, you know, look, here's the thing. The nerd herd, and I, I'm semi a part of it, but you know, you're trying to constantly project off of past performance what you know the future potential will be. And one of the ways you do it is looking at minor league numbers. Well, I mean, that's a guy that hit 31 minor league homers for the Cardinals in 17. He did it again in 19 with the Rangers, and just hasn't gotten a shot. I so not in any meaningful way. So. I'd be lying to sit here and tell you that I know what the real ceiling is for Patrick Wisdom. But at the highest level below Major League Baseball, he's shown that he's a power hitter. Um, and so we'll see how it, how it plays out. I mean, look, I, my get, you know, the thing that I would say is I, you just – the Cubs are looking at it and saying – Stay hot, and we're going to ride as long as as long as we can. But I get it in terms of in terms of Cardinal fans. I mean, heck, not to rub it in, but I mean, the guy who led the American League in in homers last year was Luke Voigt. So, and the guy who led the too. National League was Marcelo Zuna. <laughs> Man. Yeah. <laughs> 
we've we've had a few home run hitters here. The list is long. <laughs> hey, you guys have also had a really long run of success. I mean, this, this yeah. you know, I, I mean, I understand that the goal is to win the World Series, but it. It's a front office that's done a pretty good job. Yeah. Hey, Boog, you have raised so much money for people dealing with ALS over the years. I want to start with this because uh, Major League Baseball has really, I think, done a great thing in honoring Lou Gehrig and tried to bring a focus to that insidious disease. We had a, a, a high school friend of ours that passed away just in the last month or so because of ALS. And obviously dying from ALS, but the way that you die from ALS is horrible, and we need to find a way to solve this problem to cure this disease. Yeah, I mean, I'm grateful to Major League Baseball, to the commissioner for for putting this day together. I mean, it really started with a group, um, the Lou Gehrig Day Committee, and they went to the individual teams and then went back to the league and the league said, done, we'll do it. And so it's an opportunity to honor one of the iconic players in the history of our sport. You know, one of the things there is a Lou Gehrig tie in, you know, beyond ALS and, um, you know, really base baseball that, that goes to all sports. And that is, the first number that was ever retired was Lou Gehrig's number four because he got ALS and then everybody else followed suit. So the reason you have retired numbers around sports is because of Lou Gehrig and because he suffered from this disease. So, you know, that's something to just think about there. And then as far as, you know, the, the league and just, I'm, our charity, I lost my friend Tim Sheehy in 2007. Our charity project, Main Street, directly helps those suffering from the disease. It's a really small space. Um, there aren't too many organizations out there that are doing it, and the people living with the disease need help. The average out-of-pocket cost for an ALS patient is $250,000. So as your condition declines, uh, it's it's financially really difficult and then the other component is there's no diagnosis they just rule stuff out and because the average lifespan is two to five years more often than not you spend close to a year searching for your diagnosis so one of your two to five years that you are living you're still trying to find out what it is you actually have so it's really cruel and I would love it if sometime before I die my charity didn't exist because that means that ALS have been cured, but I'm also passionate about the fact that money needs to be raised in both spaces, both for research and for patient care, because we can't just leave behind the living. We can't just leave behind those that are on the earth with the disease, and that's a project Main Street helps with. So today will be emotional for me. I get a chance to think about my Tim, my friend Tim and smile. Um, his wife and daughter are coming into the game at Wrigley today, which I'm really grateful for, and I think it'll be powerful, and uh, I'm I'm proud of uh, of the fact that this day is is here. And I look if if somebody at the Cubs game today, you know, sees someone wearing a four ALS shirt or patch or something like that, and some eleven year old kid says, "Hey, Dad, what's ALS?" then the day's done its job. Well, Boog, people listening to this likely want to help. So uh, projectmainstreet.org, I know they can make donations there. How else can people help if they want to make a donation or even just learn more about Project Main Street or about Lou Gehrig Day? 
Yeah, so projectmainstreet.org uh, is where you can donate. Um, MLB.com slash ALS gives you um, all of the uh, the teams and where um, you can participate with that particular team uh, in terms of the ALS space. So it tells you, um, you know, who the – the the Reds are uh, you know looking to uh, support that type of thing. So that's that's one thing. And then if you go to MLB, I, you know what? I take that back. It's MLB.com. It's on the main page is where that is. So at MLB.com, and you can find where your local team, what uh, ALS charities are being supported. And then the other thing is on my Twitter page, we're selling T-shirts. There are these really great Lou Gehrig Day patch t-shirts um we have an als sucks t-shirt can i say that i just did yes. um and then and then um there's a cool cubs for als uh t-shirt that i know nobody in your audience would want but figure look you buy the shirt you get some red tape you type an x over the cubs <laughs> logo right in the middle and make it a cardinals logo or something like that but you can buy the shirt but, the, you know, we spend a little extra money on the red tape and a percentage of the proceeds goes to Project Main Street and directly helps someone living with ALS. Perfect. And you're going to do the seventh inning stretch today, right? You're going to do take me out to the oh, ball game? Oh, you had to bring that up. <laughs> it is going to be. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. That is not in my comfort zone. That is one of those where. Yeah, the uh, the spoken word does not translate to the singing word. Well, so, just play it like Harry, then. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm I need to put together a game plan. I need to get it together. So we'll we'll sort it out. It'll be it'll be fine. It'll be uh, it'll be a really cool day. That's for sure. Absolutely, Bugshambi. We love what you do, and so appreciate what you do to benefit those dealing with uh, ALS and. We've always loved your work here on 101 ESPN since we came into existence in 09. Uh, you've been a big part of the baseball coverage and, and obviously still are. And we love watching you on Marquee, too. So thanks so much for the time and for what you do. Thanks, you too. I really appreciate you having me on, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. You bet. Take care. Boog Shambi does great work covering and calling baseball on 101 ESPN, ESPN Radio, and, of course, the Cubs on Marquee. Coming up next, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. little game of Take It or Leave It with Michelle and Randy on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Randy, and Emily is here. We want your text to the Air Comfort Service text line for take it or leave it. 65780 is the number for the Air Comfort Service text line. Michelle, the Celtics eliminated by the New- Brooklyn Nets. I almost said New Jersey Nets. By the Brooklyn Nets last night. Uh, take it or leave it. The offseason will provide Tristan Thompson some time to get his personal situations straightened out. I'm going to leave that. You don't think he's going to? I well, I just don't know if the offseason is enough time. He's got a lot going on. He's got a lot happening. I don't know if the offseason is going to give him enough time to straighten everything out. Because you know what, Randy? It seems like as soon as he cleans up the mess, he makes another one. Yeah, he's, well, and he doesn't really have an awful lot of help in trying to clean messes up. Uh, the, the latest is, is that his baby mama 
is faking DMs. So Sydney Chase says she uh, won't abide by his cease and desist order and said that, uh, or, or apparently she's been accused of faking DMs from Chloe to her. So oh. it's crazy. It's just a crazy situation. She's not a baby mama, though, is she? I thought she was just the IG model. Uh, that they had a dalliance. That is correct. Yeah, the the IG the baby mom is another name. So he's got another one though, Kim Cakery. That's the the Kim Cakery is the baby mama. Pre Chloe. Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot going on there, like the, four different women. It's hard for me to keep track of the flow chart here. <laughs> there's a lot going <laughs> That's on. That's what he needs to straighten out. He needs to streamline. Tristan does. You know what? This is just a wild proposition here maybe just maybe randy he should get off social media if the dms are too tempting if you're finding it too tempting tristan maybe remove it from your life that's a good idea michelle i don't know if he know he understands that but you're right just delete the app dude yeah that's a, a good deal you know <laughs> if, if you can't stay away from sweets you don't buy them right you just don't keep it in yeah, the house just text with chloe just text with chloe it's easy well, Patrick Mahomes, Randy, we know that he's won a Super Bowl. He's gotten the big contract. So he needs something to motivate him. He, he needs a new goal. And recently he was at his foundation's golf uh, tournament in Hawaii, and he revealed that his new goal, his new goal for the Chiefs, is to become the NFL's first team to finish a season 20-0 and with 17 regular season wins and then obviously three more in the playoffs. Take it or leave it. He does it. Leave it. That's not going to happen. Uh, they, they're they paying him half a billion dollars. There aren't enough good players for the Chiefs to go 20-0, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And I also think with that extra game, you don't know how how many players might be injured or what your body might feel like you might the nfl might adopt a little bit of load maintenance you know Mm -hmm. you know i can't imagine that if there's going to be 17 games and then as we talked about yesterday perhaps another game that's added to the schedule 18 within the next couple years that you're going to have everyone be healthy throughout the season or that you're going to want everyone to play the entire time and you also have to play in a terrible division that's one of the reasons that new england had the success that they did especially in the year that they went 16 and 0 they had a lot of good players and they played in a division where everybody else was hideous and that's hard to come by when you're dealing with the the chargers now and the the Raiders and the Broncos, you're going to trip up at some point. It's really hard. All right, Emily, what do you got for us? From the 314, take it or leave it. The Blues signed Landeskog and packaged Robert Thomas and picks for Jack Eichel. <laughs> leave it. I think I'm going to leave that too. Uh, Landeskog is already making $9.2 million. He's not taking a pay cut to come to St. Louis. No. And Jack Eichel is a $10 million player who has a neck injury. And is already in a disagreement with the Sabres about that. And no, the Blues are not going to add $20 million to their payroll this offseason. Wait, they're not? No. That's not something they're going to do? It's not going to happen. They're not just going to collect stars and spend $20 million? I love it. We as fans, we want every single player. Of course. But it's just not the way it works. That doesn't seem like a Doug Armstrong play. No, I don't think so. From the 314, take it or leave it. If any food could be zero calories, you would pick pizza. Ooh, good one. 
I think that's a, a very good play. I would go pizza. I think that right off the top of my head, pasta would be right there. I think I would just pick bread, period. Can you pick bread? Because yeah. bread is the vehicle for so many other things. Yeah, because bread is like a essentially bagel. it's pizza dough, right? Pizza dough. Yeah, could yeah. it just be straight bread? Yeah, so that's a good play. But I, I think pizza, because of the variety of pizza, would probably be the direction I would go. Yeah, can't that, go wrong with pizza. That or Reese's. Do you miss Reese's? I do miss Reese's. <laughs> They're good. They're really good. They are. From the 573, take it or leave it. If the Cubs keep winning, they add a pitcher such as Max Scherzer and become a World Series contender. Ooh. Wouldn't that be something if Max Scherzer went to the Cubs? Yeah. That'd be painful. That would be awful. Um, I'm going to leave it. They don't have a lot of prospects. If they could get him, do you want to add to the number of high-profile free agents that you have on that team? I'm still not convinced that even though they're having success, that they're still not going to move Bryant. Or, or they're I'm still not, not going to execute the plan. That's a choice you have to make. you you got Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, Jock Peterson. Contreras is another year away. You've got so many guys that are coming up on free agency. I don't think that they're in a position to be able to trade a bunch of prospects for a rental. Right. And with these injuries, as we spoke with yep. Boog, a lot of these young players coming up having success, that seems to also right. be confirmation for what the plan was. Yeah, I would be more inclined to think that they would trade, like you said, trade one of their guys, whether it be Baez or Bryant, to get prospects back. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's what they need. From the 618, take it or leave it, for an umpire, a ball can sometimes be called a strike, but a strike should never be called a ball. Strike should never be called a ball. I'm going to leave it because we talked to Adam about this. Sometimes, like with Adam's curveball, it fools umpires. Right. And they're thinking, okay, uh, strike, strike, but sometimes it goes the other way. It's ball, ball, ball. Oh, it falls into the strike zone. Mm -hmm. And the guy calls it a ball because he thinks it's going to be high and then it falls in. And it's a split second. A preemptive call. Right. As it's coming down, he has it in his mind already. So I can get that. Umpires are going to make mistakes. Human error. Yeah. From the 636, it is national. Leave the office early day. Mm. Take it or leave See it. See ya. Bye, guys. Yeah, peace out. pleasure. <laughs> take it or leave it. This should be every day. I'll take that. I'll take that, too. And I wonder, with the way that the typical American workplace construct has been disrupted, if that's not the case for a lot of people, that now that people have worked from home. You're working from home. And they have realized that people generally are smart and they're adults and they can get their work done on their timeline if you might not see more people leaving the office early and finishing up work at home later. And Michelle, think about other markets. For example, Houston, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., New York, where people are commuting for two hours and now they're able to work from home rather than spending two hours or more Mm -hmm. on the road. I have a friend who's lived in L.A. and she was on the road two and a half hours to work to downtown LA. Just to work? Yeah, and two. Yeah, it was. She was on the road for five hours a day. That's why they left LA. Oh my gosh! Can you imagine that? No. So if you're doing that, what's the point of that? Exactly. But if you're working from home, that's five hours of production that the company is getting out of you that they wouldn't ordinarily have. Exactly. So 
I can uh, totally see why companies want their people to work from home because they are more productive. For sure. Even if you work five hours of of work you're getting out of your employee. Crazy, it's ridiculous. And that's an extreme, but even here, we have people here that are on the road for two hours a day, driving an hour in and an hour home. So if you're working from home, that's at least an hour, maybe two of production. Not to mention the time that it takes in the morning to get up, get dressed, get ready for work, mm-hmm. pack your bag, all of those things. Then you get to work, you have to get settled at your desk. All that stuff takes time. It really Whereas does. Whereas at home, a lot of times you can just get ready a little bit, brew your coffee, sit down right there, you're ready in to your go. your jammies. And your, and your, no, no, business on top, relaxation on bottom. Gotcha. That's leisure on bottom. Just okay. for that Zoom meeting. Oh, yeah. Maybe okay. a polo and some sweatpants. Okay, I like that play. I, of course, like that play. That's what we wear every day. <laughs> Thanks, Emily. Thank you. Coming up, is the Aaron Rodgers trade speculation becoming more real now? We'll tell you why it is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And Michelle, we haven't talked a lot about the Aaron Rodgers situation because we if you want to hear about Aaron Rodgers, you can watch ESPN TV 24-7 and and you can see it. But there really hasn't been anything where you could say, okay, concrete that this is something. Well, this past week, the Packers have had organized team activities in a minicamp. Aaron Rodgers not there. Brian Gutekunst, the general manager, who uh, ostensibly is the problem with Aaron Rodgers, has enhanced his staff. He's promoted several people in the Packers organization below him. So you wouldn't believe that if they're allowing him to promote people within his staff that they're about to fire him. So with the combination of Aaron Rodgers not being at OTAs and Brian Gutekunst beefing up his staff with the Packers, it seems to me that there's something real here that Rogers clearly doesn't want to be there. And the Packers are saying, no, we aren't firing this guy to appease you. Correct. Both sides are at a pretty definite standstill and it's who's going to blink first at this point. And even though Aaron Rodgers is the commodity here and a very rare one at that, he's one of the, what, two best quarterbacks in the league right now. He's the reigning MVP. He's a Super Bowl champion. He is the franchise. He is the franchise. If they don't have Aaron Rodgers, good luck trying to win, and they're a good team right now. But the Packers organization really has the power here. They can just say, sure, you don't want to show up to OTAs? Fine, it's OTAs. And the longer this goes, maybe we get to training camp. He's not there. Either they can find him, or they could just say, either you're going to play for us or you're not going to play at all. And if you're a Packers fan, I don't know how you feel about that because obviously you could get a lot for Aaron Rodgers and maybe they just want this whole saga to be over with and they want somebody who wants to be on their team and they want the Packers to maximize their return here. But if I'm the Packers, I am sitting back, Randy. I'm getting comfortable in my chair. I'm getting some popcorn and I'm daring him to not play. I would take the same tack as that as if, if I were the Packers. Here's a guy that's going to turn 38 in December. So he doesn't have an awful lot of time left. If he wants if he's satisfied with his legacy, by the way, that's fine. His legacy is it's cemented. It, 
can he enhance his legacy a little bit more if he wins another Super Bowl? Yes. But he's going to go down as one of the great quarterbacks of all time. If you put together a top 10, top 15 list, Aaron Rodgers is going to be on it. And he's played long enough. Heck, he got drafted in 2005. He might have had enough. He, he might say, you know what? I've had my fill of football. I can go out and hang out in Hawaii with my fiance. I'm getting married. I can go out to the West Coast and hang out out there. Yeah. Listen to Taylor Swift, grow my hair out, whatever right. I want. But if the if he holds out, I'm with you. All the pressure, if there is, let, let me put it this way, not pressure. All the power, if there is a power play here, is in the hands of the Green Bay Packers. The Packers, the way they've played their cards, they can only benefit from this because they're going to get something really good in exchange for Aaron Rodgers Mm -hmm. if they trade him. If the Packers move on, they're they're still going to be the Packers 10 years from now. They've had Bart Starr. They've won two Super Bowls with him. They had Brett Favre. They won a Super Bowl with him. They've had Aaron Rodgers. They can find another quarterback. But... At this age, is Rodgers going to find another situation where he can win another Super Bowl if that's what he desires? That's where this whole thing is pretty confusing to me because I know that Aaron Rodgers feels disrespected. We all know he wants Brian Gutekunst out and that he feels like his time in Green Bay is done. And maybe there is a situation out there, maybe Denver perhaps, that he's eyeing and he thinks this is where I'm going to go and where I'm going to win. This is how I'm going to close my career. But it's very easy to look at what happened with Peyton Manning or with Tom Brady and, and romanticize it. But those are rare. Those are rare instances of two people going to another team at the end of their career and winning a Super Bowl. How many other players has that happened for? Not many. Didn't happen for Joe Montana or Johnny Unitas or Joe Namath or any of those guys. And just because a team looks good on paper doesn't mean, and just because Aaron Rodgers is as good as he is, doesn't mean that he's going to go in there and it's going to be everything he thinks it's going to be. It seems like you have a pretty great situation in Green Bay. You have a lot of talent there. You have the protection there. You have all the power when it comes to what happens on the field and you're the MVP you were in the playoffs last year you were this close to going to another Super Bowl and it seems like the Packers are built to win now and I just don't know if he continues to hold out at what point in this process is he potentially moved then all of a sudden you're thrown into a new situation you're learning a new playbook you're learning new teammates and you're trying to find that chemistry and that rhythm just because you're good and the team on paper looks good does not mean that it's going to be a fit and you're going to have success his best chance to win is in green bay and let me throw one other aspect into this if the packers are as good as they think they are then Jordan Love is going to turn out to be a really good quarterback. Rodgers in his first year playing went 6-10 and 10 and then wound up being Aaron Rodgers. They historically in Green Bay have had a really good operation, especially in terms of finding and developing quarterbacks. They might have the guy to replace Aaron Rodgers. We don't know how good he'll be, but they might. And they might figure, okay, well, if he doesn't want to play anymore, fine. He doesn't have to play anymore. He can hang out in L.A. and we'll get love ready sooner rather than later. And we'll be set for the next 10 years. If he's that guy. If he's that guy. But you don't trade up for him. And they have ego. All all those GMs have egos. They they don't trade up for him uh, unless they think he is the guy.
You better hope he is, though. Yeah, right. If after all of this, you alienate Aaron Rodgers, one of the best to ever do it because of this pick. And then Jordan Love turns out to not be the Aaron Rodgers to Brett Favre. He turns out to not be the successor. That's going to be a tough look for the Packers. But I... The, the closer that we're getting to the summer, well, we're in the summer now. It's officially summer. I didn't think it would last this long. I thought that this might be a lot of posturing and that eventually Aaron Rodgers would. I mean, we know he's an all-time grudge holder, but I also don't. I can't imagine someone who's as competitive as he is, knowing that there is a finite amount of time left on his career coming off an MVP season, wouldn't want to go for it, wouldn't want to try to win another Super Bowl. And I thought eventually he would get some sort of concession from the Packers, whether it was money, which doesn't seem to be the motivating factor here, or they would go out and, and get another player, maybe a Julio Jones. I don't really know, but I thought at some point there would have been a resolution here on June 2nd. The fact that we're getting deeper into the summer leads me to believe that maybe he won't play. And that's why I think it's real, because I think that with his actions, he wants to win. I don't think this is about being appeased anymore by money. Appeasal, is that a word? Sure, I'll allow it. Thanks. Uh, For Rodgers, in my opinion, is only Gutekinds getting whacked. Agreed. Agreed. And if you're Green Bay, after you already essentially let him be the driving force behind letting go of Mike McCarthy, do you want him to have run the head coach and now the GM out of town? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I also think, by the way, that having older athletes have success recently, it's been fool's gold for a lot of guys. Tom Brady having success. Phil Mickelson. The Yadier Molinas and Adam Wainwrights of the world. There are guys that deep into their career are still performing at a high level and All signs point to Aaron Rodgers being able to do that. But it doesn't happen for everybody. Just because Tom Brady has been able to do this doesn't mean that in his early 40s, Aaron Rodgers is still going to be playing at this high level. You don't know that that's going to happen to you. And so if I'm him, well, and athletes don't think this way. They think they're invincible and that Mm -hmm. they're going to be another outlier just like Tom Brady. But I I know the clock is ticking if I'm him is what I'm trying to say. And if that's what he cares about is winning again and and having that legacy where he is considered among the all timers then he should probably play and but it might not be hey for a lot of guys it doesn't mean that much to him but if that's the case then why not just walk away if you're th- done with it then just leave. See, Michelle, I, I go back to what I said a, m- a moment ago. I think this is about him being competitive and wanting to win at that. He wants to win this fight. Yes. I, think, I think that's where he is right now. It's Which is more important than winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, I really I think it is. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and that is today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, how long are the Cardinals going to be without Jack Flaherty, and what do they do now? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle, back in my day, the <laughs> manager of a baseball team would advise his players to go have a steak and a beer. Don't work out too much. Right. Don't, don't get too muscular because you'll pull a muscle. Rod Beck famously said you can't pull fat. Well, Jack Flaherty doesn't have an ounce of fat on his body. His his body what, BMI is, what, 0.1 or whatever is. He, he has no fat on his body. He's and very fat. He's too muscular. And when you have too many muscles, you pull them. 
too many muscles. This that's true. He, lots of muscles. You can't pull fat, but that's concerning because there's a lot of guys on this team, Randy, that are in shape. Most of them, all of them. Not all of them. We need to find somebody that. See, fat guys don't get hurt. Do you ever see Lance Lynn get hurt? <laughs> all due respect, Lance, but you're skinny Lance. We, yeah. didn't, we didn't like skinny Lance. No, he's much more effective now. Well. Flaherty's going to miss some time here, and Mike Schilt talked about it yesterday before the Cardinals game against the Dodgers and after the Cardinals had received word about Flaherty's MRI. Still creating clarity on it. He was going to go to the IL, which means uh, we'll put Oviedo back in the on the ball club. Um, probably get to that in a moment. But, yeah, he's got an oblique um, situation that trying to figure out the grade of um, impact to it. But clearly he's going to put him on the I.L. and he's going to spend some time on it. And it's going to be a while for it to heal. I'm sure a question will be how long. I wish I had a crystal ball for that. We don't have it. Um, but it's, um, you know, it's not it's not a minimal situation. It's a, it's a real, um, you know, uh, strain tear. I don't know which exact grade you want to call it, but um, it's significant enough. Jack's going to miss some, some time and it's going to be a while when we're still in the exploratory stage to figure out how long. So this concerns me, obviously, because Jack Flaherty is going to miss time. But usually the Cardinals tend to be a little bit more delicate when they talk about injuries. The MRIs look okay. He's just going to take some time. We're going to reevaluate. For Mike Schilt to right out of the gate say, this is a significant injury. This is a strain slash tear. He's going to miss some time. Leads me to believe that this is going to be longer than even we anticipate. I would agree with that. And the Cardinals have had guys, Albert Pujols had an oblique back in... 0405 and came back in two weeks. He, as a matter of fact, he, he was supposed to be out longer, went to Tony and said, I'm fine. And so Tony put him in the lineup that night. But some guys, it's recurring and ruins an entire season. And that's my concern. And I know it's your concern, Michelle, that he comes back a little bit too soon. So you might as well be as cautious as you can. You're starting June right now. Wait until after the All-Star break to bring him back at, at the very earliest after the All-Star break. Then you're looking at six weeks. Gosh, six weeks, though, without Jack Flaherty, that's not great for the Cardinals, who are obviously trying to win the division. Um, But, yeah, my concern is that this is going to be something, because of the oblique, because of the the mechanisms that the body goes through when you're pitching, that this is something that could potentially be re-aggravated when he does come back. That's obviously always the concern that you have. But you and I are sunshine lollipops. Mm -hmm. And any way you slice this, Randy, it's not good. There's no positives to be found here. Well, maybe somebody will take advantage of an opportunity and emerge as a great alternative. Mike Schilt. What are your alternatives? How do you plan to adjust? Yeah, I mean, we're obviously <laughs> trying to figure it out. I mean, you know, I mentioned Oviedo's back. I'm not sure exactly how that'll work or how to plug in. You know, our rotation for Cincinnati will be Wayno, KK, uh, to be determined, and, and Johnny Gant. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a fluid situation, Jim. You know, I, I look at the, some of those questions are probably for more of the Mo um, than myself. But, you know, I mean... We're doing the best we can in a short term to figure out a solution like we always do um, and work with the best we can with what we have. So um, I'm not sure what else to share with you on that regard. Just does not sound good. And by the way, based on what we've seen from Oviedo, who has really good stuff, but just hasn't pitched at the minor league level. He, He hasn't had the opportunity to become seasoned. I would be inclined to look at Jake Woodford first mm-hmm. because of the way he pitched over the weekend against Arizona. You've got Tommy Parson down at Memphis who has been 
okay. He's been up and down, down lately, but you, you have him. And I know you want to get more seasoning for Zach Thompson. The Libertor is preparing for the Olympics. And I don't, I think, I think the Cardinals relationship with USA baseball, they prefer to not have Libertor pulled from the Olympics. That's good experience for him if he goes, but I would start with Jake Woodford, give him the opportunity, look at a guy like Tommy Parson. And then Mo told Jimmy Hayes last night on Bally that they might be looking outside the organization too. That was going to be my next question to you is, do you think that the Cardinals have already started looking outside the organization? Because that's something that we had talked about prior to this injury. And now I think that becomes more apparent. I think you have to. One of the problems the Cardinals have is that they don't have an exceptionally deep 40-man roster. They've traded so many prospects. I mean, when you make the Arenado trade and Mm -hmm. give up as many prospects as you did, there aren't a whole lot to choose from now. And the teams that are going to be moving uh, starting pitcher are going to be those that are at the bottom of the rankings, bottom of the standings, and want two, three prospects. So when you gave up four for Arenado, or did they give up five, whatever it was, you just don't have as many in your system. And your system is smaller now. You don't, you don't have as many minor league teams, as many prospects as you had before either. So if you're Baltimore or if you're Pittsburgh or if you're the Rangers, and the Rangers might have the most interesting guy in Kyle Gibson, you're going to be looking for a pretty solid return of young players, and I don't believe that's there for the Cardinals right now. If we can't figure out what young starter the Cardinals should utilize in this situation, another team's going to say, uh, Texas is going to say, I want Libertor or Zach Thompson. They're going to definitely ask for Libertor or Thompson. Also, I want to float this text by you from the three-one floor. Flaherty's injury means this is what Carlos Martinez's career has been building towards for him to be the ace when the Cardinals need him. (laughs) Wouldn't that be awesome if Carlos would step up and be healthy and mature and pitch great and be a number one? The trends have been there this season. It would be really interesting. I would be intrigued. I'm not going to rely on that, but if there's ever been a season where I've had the confidence that he can do it, now more than ever. So let's put together our rotation right now. Okay. Is John Gant your ace? Wow. I, yeah. Gant, Wayno. Definitely. Carlos. Well, Car- and I would go in order. I would say Gant, Carlos, Wayno. Okay. KK, mm-hmm. who, by the way, needs to throw a strike now and then. Yes. And then, yeah, they need more out of him. Yeah, then we can choose from among Woodford or Oviedo. And it's a shame that they can't stretch out. I know they thought about Ryan Helsley being a starter. They actually kind of need him in the bullpen now, even though he hasn't been great. And Ponce de Leon. Ponce de Leon has started this year. I'm not thrilled with it either. I'd rather start Woodford, but he is a possibility. He is definitely a possibility. And while all of those guys could get the job done, none of them are going to make you feel that confident no. in, in losing Jack Flaherty. I, if Matthew Libertor was an option here, I think more fans would be excited about seeing what he could do, the possibility of him coming up, because he's someone that, when you look at the future of this club, is hopefully going to be a cornerstone moving forward. And I think that that could at least inspire a little bit of hope, but Jack Flaherty's the guy, and losing him is going to be a major blow. Matthew Libertor obviously missed last year, Uh, started in pro baseball in 2018. Uh, He played in a ball in 2019, missed 2020, and he has 21 and a third innings above a ball. It's not a lot. Not a whole lot. And (laughs) it's not just 
him, but when you even when you look at a guy like Johan Oviedo, they're just that's one of the problems that baseball has now with the smaller minor leagues and the smaller draft. You don't have time to get guys seasoned. Helsley any time above a ball. Hicks had very very little time above a ball. Oviedo uh, doesn't. That's a real problem that baseball is going to have to deal with because players are not great right away. And I don't know that the people that are in charge right now understand that. Let me give you Oviedo's career stats quickly. He started in 2016, and his time in AAA, his time above A ball, has all been either last year at the major league level or this year he has eight innings at AAA. So in the minor leagues, Johan Oviedo has eight innings above A-ball. Okay, this is a name that's populating the text line. Let me throw this to you. He's thriving in his role right now, and eventually they want him to be a starter. What about Alex Reyes? I believe that would be a gamble with his health. I want him stretched out and ready to go from the beginning. And we've gone two months now without him pitching significant innings. And and I, I like the idea of him starting. I would be on board if I felt comfortable that he were going to be able to be healthy for four months. I'm not convinced that he could be. And as I said, he's thriving right now. He really in the is. the role that he has. He, I, I'm, I feel like I'm the president of the Alex Reyes fan club. Yeah. Anytime he's out there, I'm cheering so hard for him. And I, and I love seeing him thrive and just blossom in this role right now. And I, I want to see him eventually be a starter. That's what he wants. That's what the Cardinals have always envisioned for him. But I would not want to disrupt what you have with him right no. now. And especially because you don't have Hicks. Right. If I had Jordan Hicks, I would feel a little bit better about closing but I don't have any confidence uh, in taking a pitcher out of my bullpen. I have three good bullpen pitchers <laughs> right now. I have Gallegos, I have Cabrera, I have Reyes. Exactly. Those are the only guys I feel like I can count on. So Woodford it is. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Woody, here's your chance. And everybody needs a chance. I'll eat, hopefully he'll take advantage of it and, and be an ace. We'll see. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, uh, Kyle, or Kevin, uh, won the fight Kevin Kyle. yesterday. Kevin Kyle. Kyle Kevin will <laughs> shoot for the Hall of Fame next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy It's time for the fight here on Character and Smallman on this Wednesday. It's 838. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And we have a Hall of Fame fight on deck today. Kyle is with us. You remember him. You heard him yesterday. And at the end of the week, he defeated Randy two days in a row. Now, yesterday, I accidentally called him Kevin. You know, these late starts with the Cardinals. My brain's not all there. So... I'm sorry, Kyle, that I called you Kevin, but it seemed to work in your favor because you ended up winning again yesterday. So how are you feeling this morning? I feel good, Shelly. How about yourself? Oh, no, not with the Shelly. Touche. Touche, Kevin. I appreciate that. Kidding, Kyle. (laughs) Well, Kyle, you have the Hall of Fame right here on your fingertips, okay? You have a chance to be one of what? I think, Emily, three people in history 
At least on at least on our show, yes. Only three. three people who have ever defeated Randy three times in a row to get to the Hall of Fame. Are you ready for this challenge? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right, Kyle. Question number one. The Nets defeated the Celtics last night, 123 to 109, and they advanced to the conference semifinals. The last time the Nets made a run at the championship was 2003, when they lost in the finals 4-2 as the New Jersey Nets. Who did they lose that NBA finals to? So the New Jersey Nets lost the NBA finals 2003. Who did they lose to? The San Antonio Spurs, the Los Angeles Lakers, or the Portland Trailblazers? Uh, let's say Lakers. It was announced yesterday that Florida head coach Dan Mullen would be receiving a $1.5 million raise and a three-year extension, with which school was his first head coaching job? Florida, Mississippi State, or Utah? Florida. All right. Julius Randle was recently named the NBA's most improved player of the 2020-2021 season. Where did Julius Randle play college hoops? Duke, Kentucky, or North Carolina? Kentucky. And today is Lou Gehrig Day in MLB. Gehrig is one of two Yankee players to earn the the batting triple crown. Who is the other? Was it Joe DiMaggio, Babe Ruth, or Mickey Mantle? Ah, DiMaggio. All right, checking our score. Randy's on his way in. Emily, this was tough. This was a tough fight. No Cardinals questions, no Blues questions. Thank you. I'm just saying, this is Sorry? No, I'm just saying. Tip of the cap to you. If if Kyle wants to get into the Hall of Fame, he's going to have to earn it. Randy, you know Kyle. He beat you twice in a row. Kyle, how you doing? (laughs) Uh, I've been better. I'm doing all right. (laughs) Tough fight, (laughs) eh, Kyle? Yeah, something like that. Tough fight, Randy. Yep, as long as it's fair. It is fair. (laughs) Nice job there. Question number one, Randy. Mm -hmm. And again, reminder, Kyle has the Hall of Fame on the line. Okay. The Nets defeated the Celtics last night, 123 to 109. They advanced to the conference semifinals. The last time the Nets made a run at the championship was 2003, when they lost in the finals 4-2 as the New Jersey Nets. Who did they lose that NBA Finals to? The Lakers. It was announced yesterday that Florida head coach Dan Mullen would be receiving a $1.5 million raise and a three-year extension. With which school was his first head coaching job? Mississippi State. Julius Randle was recently named the NBA's most improved player of the 2020-2021 season. Where did Julius Randle play college hoops? He was the fourth pick in the draft out of... Duke or Kentucky? I think it was Duke. We'll go with Duke. And today is Lou Gehrig Day in MLB. Gehrig is one of two Yankee players to earn the batting triple crown. Who is the other? The batting triple crown by the Yankees. Gehrig. I don't know if uh, Babe ever did it. DiMaggio didn't do it. The year DiMaggio won the MVP, Ted Williams actually did win the Triple Crown. Isn't that something, 1941? <laughs> um, Mantle never did. I'll, I'll do the lifeline here. Was it Joe DiMaggio? Was it Babe Ruth? Or was it Mickey Mantle? It must have been Babe Ruth then. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. 
We have a tie on our hands. We have a tie on our hands. Oh, my gosh. I know, Kyle. I'm with you. My heart is beating out of my chest. We have a tie. So the Hall of Fame hinges on a tiebreaker question. So, again, for those who are new to this, here's how this is going to work. I am going to read our tiebreaker question. Randy's going to write down his answer on his sheet of loose leaf over there. As I'm reading the question, Kyle's going to get first crack at it. He's going to get about 10 seconds to give us his answer. Randy will reveal what he's written down on his paper. Closest to the pin, or first to get it, or closest to the pin wins. Now, Emily, if they both get it correct, before we do this, how how are we going to do it if they both get the answer correct? Because that caused some consternation last time. Do we have a backup? A backup tiebreaker question. Sorry to put you on the spot here. Just want to make it clear before we do this. If I have one. Hold on a minute. If not, we can always ask them to adjust their answers. Well, if they both get it right, they both get it right. All right. We're just gonna, you know what? We're just going to go with it here. We're just going to roll the dice Good. and see what happens. Kyle and Randy with the Hall of Fame on the line. The tiebreaker question is this. How many career strikeouts did Brad Thompson rack up? How many career strikeouts did our boy BT rack up? Now, Emily, this is in the majors, correct? Yes. Yes, in yes. the majors. Uh, As a professional baseball player, how many career strikeouts did Brad Thompson rack up? I guess let me know when Randy has his answer. I have. <laughs> okay, hang on one second. Randy has written down his answer. Kyle, what do you got for us? 248. Oh, wow. 248. Randy, your answer is what? 250. Emily. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. This is full Price is Right Showcase Showdown. Tell them who won. The winner and still champion of the fight. Average Joe Listener. (laughs) The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com. Kyle, the next time you have to sign something, make sure to put HOF after your signature, my man, because you are the newest member of the Fight Hall of Fame. Congratulations. That is absolutely awesome. I'm more surprised that Randy put 250. That's that is incredible. Five years, 50 strikeouts, five years. That's literally the math I was doing. I almost said 250. I was like, I don't want to have a round number, so I went down. Wow. wow. Well, it, it paid off for you. So here are our answers. Back in 2003, the New Jersey Nets lost the NBA Finals to the San Antonio Spurs. It was the Spurs that year. Mm-hmm. Florida head coach Dan Mullen, his first head coaching job was with Mississippi State, 2009 to 2017. Julius Randle played college hoops at Kentucky. It was Kentucky. It was Kentucky. Lou Gehrig is one of two Yankee players to earn the batting triple crown. The other is Mickey Mantle. Back in 1956, it was Mickey Mantle. Uh, That would be incorrect because Babe Ruth did win the triple crown. Uh, Uh Uh-oh. Kyle. Oh, boy. I got that on MLB.com. Babe Ruth won the triple crown in, let's see, he led the league with 46 homers, uh... A uh, 378 batting average. And, uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. He didn't have the RBIs. Sorry. My bad. Randy, don't scare a man like that. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle's basking in yeah. his accomplishment, and you're pulling the rug from under him. So the tiebreaker. <laughs> Way to go, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin, we are proud of you. So our tiebreaker question was, how many career strikeouts did Brad Thompson rack up? Kyle went with 248. Randy went with 250 because Kyle was two under. 
he got the Hall of Fame. The correct answer is 190. Awesome. 190. Oh, wow. Kyle was closest to the pin, and now he's a Hall of Famer. And now, Kyle, you get to come back tomorrow and defend your Hall of Fame and see how long this streak can continue. So we'll talk to you <laughs> again I, tomorrow. But tomorrow. Can I just retire? Is that, is that like allowed? Tomorrow can he I goes Randy Stone. You can retire if you'd like to. Yeah, I think I want to do that. I want to go off. Uh, I want to go off like Peyton. I, I'm scared of Randy. He, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, if that's the case, you're going to ride off into the sunset, Elway and, and Manning style. Congratulations, you're a hall, a hall of Famer. We appreciate you. Yep. Good job. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, Randy. Thank Good you. job, Kyle. Take care. Good job, Kyle. Yeah, bye, guys. Kyle with us on 101 ESPN. <laughs> I love how he, he accomplished the Hall of Fame. He's like, I'm tapping out. I don't want to come back. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> Randy's too tough. <laughs> yeah, that's not true. The questions are too tough. They are tough. Trust yeah. me, they are tough. So. Back when I used to do this, Randy, you I don't think anyone ever beat you because I had the questions that were like, who did this with the Cardinals? And you knew every single answer yeah. every time. <laughs> Coming up, we had a chance yesterday to talk to Adam Wainwright. Of course, it's really early in L.A. right now. And uh, so we had a chance to visit with him yesterday before we got the news about Jack Flaherty. And our Wednesdays with Wayno visit is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. As the Cardinals get ready to wrap things up with the Dodgers, we head out west and via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, we get a chance to talk to Adam Wainwright as we do every Wednesday. It's Wednesdays with Wayno. Good morning, sir. How are you? Doing great. How are y'all doing? Everything's good back here at home. Hey, I want to start with this because you tweeted the other day about a chapter of a book that you had an opportunity to write called The Dad Advice Project, and it's available on Amazon right now if people want to read Dad Advice from Adam Wainwright. Uh, Tell us how this came about and what you were able to put down in words. Yeah, this was a really fun project. Um, So a friend of mine named Craig Kessler, who's uh, one of the real high-ups with Topgolf, uh, approached me about this idea a couple years ago. He said, "Hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm having, some, I'm having a kid, and you know, I just it dawned on me that there's so many people out there who have lots of kids and who could give great advice to parents who are about to have kill, uh, children. So, um, w- would there be any way that you'd want to write a chapter for me?" And I said, "All right, well, what's the format?" And so, I took some creative liberties, um, got a little creative, got got a little goofy uh there's some other great chapters too and they're written one's written by davis love the third uh, hall of fame golfer one's written by jordan spieth's dad people who have kids i uh i formed mine in the form of a poem so um just a little bit of uh advice for dads a little bit of history about you know what you can expect and and uh things to expect things that that are bound to happen to you as a parent and how to react to them you know so uh, it's a fun. It is. It's a fun little book. It's it's something that, you know, from perspective, lots of different perspectives. Kids, people who have uh, kids of all ages, and you know, you never stop learning anything. But especially as a parent, you know, you never get everything figured out because every kid is different. Every kid has uh, strengths and weaknesses and 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 uh, likes and dislikes that the other ones don't. And so you you never stop bobbing and weaving as a parent. And so it's always good to hear other people's perspective on it. So yeah, you can check out. 
Dad Advice Project. It's a really fun book. I think it'll help a lot of people. And especially for dads-to-be with Father's Day right around the corner, this is a big dad's time of year, so it's a great idea. Go to Amazon and check out the Dad Advice Project. Meanwhile, Adam, here, here's your ball club, and you're in the early part of June. And I used to, as a younger broadcaster, I used to rank a team. I used to feel like I knew the personality of a team right around Memorial Day. But things have changed for me. Your club in 2011, the 2007 Rockies that came from nowhere. I don't know if you really know the personality of a team. Now, you do, obviously, inside a clubhouse. I don't know if we from the outside can really gauge a team until later in the season now. Well, I, what I think you can do, though, I mean, if you look at that Rockies team, they had an incredible nucleus of guys in the middle of that lineup that if they got hot, it's going to be dangerous, you know. And I think if you looked at our 2011 team, you looked at a team who had an incredible nucleus of guys who, if they got hot, they could be dangerous. And uh, that's that's uh, that's how I kind of view things. The Nationals the same way a couple years ago. The Nationals, when they won the World Series, they started off like, 19 and 30 or something like that through the first 50 or 60 games. So I think when you look at a team, you have to, you, you have to go a little bit beyond the numbers and say, all right, what's really here? What do, what do they have? What could they have? And what's, what's going on to make it not so, you know? So um, in 11, the first half of the season, Carp wasn't pitching like he could pitch. The lineup wasn't hitting like the lineup could hit. And in the, in the second half, all that kind of came together, and we made a big trade. And that's the thing that always throws things, you know, for a little bit of a for a change is, is uh, the idea that a, cha- a trade could come in and bring in one player or two players that would change the entire outlook of a team. So you're one or two players away always from being incredible. Uh, I think when you look at our team now, we have that, that great nucleus of guys that if we got hot, we could do some really great things. And uh, we got we got a great bullpen, we got a great middle of the order, a lot of great complimentary players, got a solid rotation. You know, so we're going to be tough. I think we're going to be tough. We just got to play well. Yeah, heck, if you guys just had a healthy Michaelis and or Jordan Hicks, I think things would look a lot different. Jordan would make the, the I mean, obviously you had anybody who's throwing the ball 100 miles an hour, <laughs> you know, to a, 100 plus, you know, 105. I mean, I look at him sometimes. I'm like, how does he throw a ball 15 miles harder than I do? It's just <laughs> unbelievable. Um, but uh, that either says that I throw really soft or that he throws really hard. I think that's probably both. Um, but uh, he would he would absolutely, you know, add to our – we already have a, a solid bullpen, but he would add to that for sure. And who was the other player you mentioned? That? Miles but, Michaelis. Yeah, and Miles. I mean, he's a solid, big, big league starter, innings eater, you know, horse. So – you had him do a rotation. Our rotate, our rotation. We started slow. We've we've held our own since. We still got more in the tank. I still think we can be better. Um, so now, you know, we're just kind of, we're just kind of uh, in, a, in a game of what can we do? What do we need to do each day to go out there and be better? And I think there's always something you can improve on. Adam, this team has obviously had a problem with walks. I want you to take us inside your self evaluation when you're having control issues. How do you solve them? How do you get back in the strike zone? Well, I mean, it can be a physical thing sometimes. You know, sometimes guys' mechanics are off. It doesn't allow them a great chance to have success. But a lot of times it's mental. You know, many times it's mental. A few of our young players who are really walking a lot of people right now are trying to be Greg Maddox before they're Greg Maddox. You know, I think if you look at uh, Oviedo, 
you got a guy who has incredible stuff, power stuff, power, power, power stuff. But who's he watching pitch? He's, you know, the day before he pitches, I pitch. And so he's watching me pitch, and I'm, you know, trying to split corners where he, this guy's throwing 96 miles an hour with cut with a nasty changeup that's harder than my fastball, great slider, and an incredible curveball. The guy has incredible stuff, but he's trying to split hairs in the outside corner and the inside corner. Or maybe we don't need to be quite so fine, you know, especially when you're 22 years old or like he is or whatever he is. Um, But he wasn't given a whole lot of time in the minor leagues Mm -hmm. to learn those lessons. You know, I learned I was in the minor leagues for five and a half years. The game has changed in that, you know, your stuff is good. uh, The opportunities there and, 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 you know, that's not a knock on him. And that's not a knock on the Cardinals because there's been times in the minor leagues where Ovi's been absolutely dominant when he looked like he was absolutely ready, you know, where we, we've seen him pitch games go, we got to have this guy. Like he's got to be on the roster. And then we, you know, we've seen him a couple of times where we're like, all right, he needs a little bit more seasoning. So it's a, when you have talent like that, I always have to remember that he's so young, you know, it's a, it's a hard thing to do is learn in the big leagues, but he's so young uh, that he's going to be great. If he just doesn't, if he doesn't get too down himself and guys like that, it's a mental thing. Like, not trying to be too fine on the corners and really coming at guys, attacking hitters with your best stuff in the strike zone and, and just taking your best chances with one of the best defenses in baseball. One time Joe Torre told me, Adam, that uh, in, when Mariano Rivera first became a closer, he was trying to be too fine. And, and Torre said, with your stuff, just aim it down the middle. And with what's going to happen with the ball, hitters won't have a chance. And evidently that's what he did for his career. Now he was a closer, a one-pitch closer with that cutter. But if you have that pitch... If you do, just aim it down the middle. It's going to eat hitters up. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, with his stuff, it moves all over the place. Mm-hmm. And that's a good place to start. You can't throw the ball down the middle. Big league hitters will hit it. Right, right. You know, if Mariano had thrown the ball down the middle, it would have got hit. But yeah, he it, threw it the ball, there. started down the middle. <laughs> it starts down the middle, and those hitters' eyes light up, and then all of a sudden it's, you know, breaking their bat. I mean, it's the most amazing pitch in the history of the game, in my opinion, without question. A uh, guy who's the greatest closer of all time with one pitch until the very end of his career where he started, you know, occasionally throwing sinker. Uh, it's really amazing. But uh, Ovi has the type of stuff that, that really makes all of us, you know, our jaw just drops sometimes. It really does. Playing catch with him, you know, he, he throws these bowling balls from 200 feet away that, that hurt your hand. You know, it just is such a unique arm that he has. Uh, that could be it, it, it could be so dynamic, you know, it just really could be special. So we're not giving up on him. He's 22 years old, 23 maybe, um, and he's got a chance to be something special. So guys like that, young guys like that, uh, we just have to trust that, that they're going to come around eventually. But, you know, we're helping them learn on the fly. I mean, honestly, the, these guys are so talented. We want to see them up here, but we also know there's going to be some bumps in the road on the way. Adam Wainwright, you mentioned playing catch with Oviedo, and that, that struck something I've never asked you about. Last year at this time, you were playing catch in St. Louis County with KK. Can you tell us what that was like with a guy that was here without his family and really didn't have much ability to communicate with people in St. Louis generally? How do you communicate? How did you communicate with KK? And what was that like playing catch across the street with him? Oh, it was awesome, man. The Craig, his his translator, Craig, always has to be there because KK, you know, KK speaks as much English as I speak Korean. You know, it just is a, it's a hard, it's a hard barrier to cross without a guy like Craig there. His name's really Yonsei, um, but we his, he goes by Craig because <laughs> so that way we gringos can remember what it, you know what his name is. But um, 
but Craig is a great guy. And, and when we played long toss, he was always there. If I had a question, I would call out to Craig and Craig would, would call out to KK and then he would, you know, volley it back to me. Uh, we, when we did sprints, we always made Craig run with us. You know, he was sprinting with us so that, you know, if we had something to talk about on the way back from our sprints that he could talk with us. So, um, you know, it was, uh, it was a fun, you know, if I, when I'm looking back on it, I had a great time uh, making the most of that situation. I mean, it was a, it's a tough time for, for everybody in the world, uh, but you just had to make the most of it uh, in the situation we were put in. We, we did the best we could to be ready for that season. And I got a lot of good time hanging out with, with Craig, uh, Craig and KK. And, and uh, you know, that was, a, that was a good time for us. And now you guys are playing again. You're out on the road again. You're playing outside the Central again. You had a chance to go to three pretty good cities on this trip with Chicago and then Phoenix and now Los Angeles. If you can pick a favorite road city, and if the same ballpark is, if your favorite ballpark is the same, what is it? What's your favorite city to travel to in Major League Baseball? Well, I love going to Denver. Um, I love Colorado. I love being in the West. I love being up in those mountains. I love going fly fishing and getting out there in the in the in the wilderness and getting up in those hills. That's some of my favorite stuff to do. This year, uh, I have played with Matt Carpenter as my teammate. I have played some incredible golf courses too. Um, we've been been around in Milwaukee. Played Aaron Hills and Milwaukee Country Club. Played Chicago Golf Club the other day in Chicago. Just a great place. Just got done playing L.A. Country Club and Bel Air Country Club in in Los Angeles. Um, so this year, uh, and we played Pine Valley in Philadelphia. So this year, um, I've made it, a, you know, about all the golf courses that I've wanted to go to over the years. And, and uh, you know, when it's when it's kind of your almost your last hurrah, you you don't want to miss anything. So um, the cities that that I love going to, aside from for baseball reasons, all have fun things like that too. I mean, they're going to play golf, or I'm going to get out fishing somewhere and have a great time. Uh, from as far as a baseball standpoint. You know, it's hard to beat a Wrigley Field, a Dodger Stadium. It's, it's hard to beat a, uh, uh, I don't know what it's called now, but the old Giants. Um, AT&T oh, it's Park. Oracle now, yeah. Oracle Stadium. It's, I love places that have that incredible atmosphere. You know, one of my sneakiest favorite places uh, besides Bush Stadium is uh, Coffman in, in uh, Kansas City. That is a beautiful park. And especially when Cardinal fans show up, it's really cool. And it'll be great to have Cardinal fans when you guys go to KC this year. But, heck, June 14th, we're just a couple of weeks away now from filling up Bush Stadium and all the new guys that haven't seen the 45,000 while wearing the birds on the bat will get a chance to see the full house just in two weeks. Yeah, that's, and that's a game changer. <laughs> you know, the other day, we're so, we're so used to uh, having a stadium at this point that's got – you know, zero people in it or 10,000 people in it. That The other day we had 30,000 people. That felt like we had 100,000 people in there. So we can't wait till it fills up completely. I know everybody's going to go crazy. Adam, uh, you had a chance to play six years with Albert Pools. Obviously, you had a chance to see him a couple of times uh, when you guys went out to Anaheim and then when he was in town a couple of years ago. Now as a member of the Dodgers, have you had a chance to catch up with him at all? Not yet. Not yet, I haven't. Um, hoping to see albert today give him a big old hug and uh we love albert you know he's a great friend of mine he was a great teammate he's having an amazing amazing career and and you know it seems like every time we turn on the tv he's doing something kind of cool with the dodgers too he said i know he's hit a few home runs and just tied babe ruth for extra base hits the other day he's 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 making the most of his time here too and that te- i'll bet you that team 
It's not intimidating because you've been at the highest level. You've won world championships. But, man, the Dodgers are good, aren't they? They're good. They just don't, you know, they don't have a lot of holes. Um, they got a lot of guys who are, are solid big league players, and, you know, they have a few injuries. But they replace those guys with people who are so talented that uh, it seems like they don't miss a beat. And those young guys have come up. Gavin Lux, we saw him yesterday. Uh, pretty special players over there. So they got a winning culture. They've, they've, uh, they've put a pretty good streak of years together in a row there. And getting Mookie Betts didn't hurt anything either. So, <laughs> no. so uh, it's a solid team. You got to play. You got to play well to beat a team like that. They're not going to give you anything. Absolutely. Adam Wainwright and Big League Impact always have something new happening. It seems like every week when you come on with us, there's something new going on. And now there's some new T-shirts at BigLeagueImpact.org that people can pick up. Yeah, there is. And we, we partnered with a, a local a local T-shirt company called um, Series 6, who does a great job supporting lots of charities there in the St. Louis area. Uh, they're locally owned, operated, and they just make really cool designs. Um, but there's an Uncle Charlie shirt that you can look at at, at bigleagueimpact.org. Uncle Charlie, Big League Impact shirt, and going to support our causes there at Big League Impact, locally made, um, locally produced, and locally designed. But that's our June Charity of the Month um, uh, partner that we're, we're partnering with this month. So, yeah, check it out. It's a pretty neat design. It's got that ugly guy uh, on the on the center of it uh, that's the only bad thing about it but uh, it's a pretty cool shirt and it's really comfortable which is a big thing you know about t-shirts i told these guys man don't don't partner me up with anybody who's not going to make that soft material t-shirt i i want almost once i started feeling those those real comfy t-shirts i don't want to put anything else on so they make a really nice comfortable soft t-shirt that you can wear working out you can wear in the yard you can you know it's got uncle charlie on it so you can wear that thing to dinner with your wife if you want to. Hey, it's check a, it out on bigleagueimpact.org. It's a beautiful thing. Last week I wore my Wayno's World shirt on Wednesday, and I will soon have, I will purchase one today, I will soon have an Uncle Charlie T-shirt. Can you do me a favor on Players Weekend this week, this year, by the way, and wear Uncle Charlie on the back of your jersey? Yeah, I think I did that uh, last year. Okay. Or two years ago, whenever it was. Yeah, I'll do it again. All right. I, I love that. I'll do that. it just for you. You're the man. We appreciate it. <laughs> hey, have a great rest of the trip. Can't wait till you guys get home and have some success against the Dodgers, and we'll talk to you next week. Okay. See ya. Thanks, Adam. Have a great day. Adam Wainwright and Chick-fil-A is the proud sponsor of Wednesdays with Wayno on 101 ESPN. Don't forget that on Wednesdays you should stop by your local Chick-fil-A and enjoy an ice-cold Sunjoy. Chick-fil-A is donating a portion of the proceeds of Sunjoy Wednesdays to support big league impact through the baseball regular season. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, the Cardinals did come away with a well-played 3-2 win over the Dodgers last night. We'll look back at the key next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. The great Yogi Berra once said, it's never over till it's over. And that certainly was the case last night. Cardinals up 3-2, two runners on. Mookie Betts at the plate for the Dodgers. And Alex Reyes on the mound for the Cardinals. In left field for the Cardinals, by the way, Tyler O'Neill. Those are both just go get them. Just go get them plays. He's going to make a go get them play. You'll hear it here in a second. Yes, you will. It's going to be- the 2-1. Betts out to left. O'Neill back. He goes!
finish off game two. And High what, drama. What a call by Danny Mack, too. Yeah, and Tyler O'Neill doing great things. He had stolen a base and scored the go-ahead run in the top of the inning and really put together an inning to provide the Cardinals a victory. He, he's the reason that the Cardinals won last night. He's been huge for the team since returning from the injured list. And we talked about this a little bit earlier in the show. You know with Tyler O'Neill that you're going to get the power. That's what he's there for offensively. He's a gold glove winning outfielder. So you expect defense, maybe not as dramatic as the, mm-hmm. the play to end the game last night, but you know he's going to be a solid defender for you. Every time I see the speed that Tyler Tyler O'Neill has, I'm shocked by it. I know it's there. We've talked about it at length. But every time I see the quickness with which he moves in that body, it surprises me every time. And he's in such great condition. He's so muscular. Yes. When he runs like he does, and he just came off of the groin injury, I'm concerned that he's going to pull a muscle because he, he even though he's fluid and looks great, there's no herky-jerky motion. Right. But he's just so darn muscular. Is this because Jack Flaherty's dealing with an oblique injury and we just talked about how you can't pull fat, but you can certainly pull muscle? Is this why you're thinking about this? Because let's not even put that negative energy into the universe. I don't want to put it out there. It's just the story of Tyler O'Neill's career. It is. We (laughs) we do have a bit of a history there. And I understand why you'd be concerned, but let's just enjoy what we're we're watching out of him right now. This is the player that the Cardinals always projected him to be. And this is why I think the Cardinals front office made the moves that they made while why they were bullish on keeping someone like Tyler O'Neill because this is the player that they expected. Michelle, last night you had Yachty hitting fifth and Yachty's tailed off a little bit after that red hot start and you had O'Neill hitting sixth. With the way O'Neill is hitting, would you be inclined to flip-flop those two in the order? I would. I would love to bump him up. Get, get him a few more at-bats mm-hmm. and provide more protection, more of a, a home run threat behind Nolan Arenado. I think Arenado could afford to see some good pitches because I do think now that Yadi's fallen to 284 and his OPS has fallen down to, not that it's horrible, it's 824, but I don't think the pitchers are looking at Yadier Molina as the threat that they looked at him as a month ago. Or, and they're certainly looking at Tyler O'Neill right now as right. a threat. So right. absolutely, I, I would be inclined to do that. I wonder if that's a move we'll see Mike Schilt make. And one of the things that came out of yesterday with all of the talk surrounding Jack Flaherty's injury and the fact that he'll be out for what we assume is going to be an extended period of time, at least a month, even though the Cardinals didn't put a timeline on it, Mike Schultz said it's a severe injury. We also got word that Harrison Bader is still feeling discomfort with his injury and won't be back for the near term either. It seems like any St. Louis team this season, injuries has been the storyline. We dealt Mm -hmm. with it with the Blues all season long. Injury, injury, injury. Now with the Cardinals, same thing. And in both cases, the teams needed, obviously, everyone to be healthy, to have success, but also to gauge certain players. With the Blues, it was new players coming in, trying to find chemistry right away. For the Cardinals, this is evaluation year for a lot of players, for Tyler O'Neill, for Harrison Bader. And if you're the front office, you like what you've seen out of those guys, certainly, in flashes. But when they're injured, it's really hard to get the sample size that you're hoping to get out of them this season. And we look at it from a micro view, but you look from a macro view, Bugshambi told us that the Cubs have a dozen. The Mets have had 16 on the IL. Mm -hmm. This is an epidemic in baseball. It might be a product of only playing 60 games last year. I don't know. It might be a product of, like we suggested, perhaps players are just in too good of condition. But somewhere along the line, all of these people that are spending all of this money on baseball performance 
aspects of their team. They need to figure out why all these guys are getting hurt because this didn't happen 30 years ago or 40 years ago. Yeah, I do wonder why we're seeing so many this season. I, I do think the pandemic and the shortened season and the disruption of the routine and of getting stretched out for a season and especially with baseball when you're used to so many games and then you have a 60 game season it's different right the turnaround is different but it is you didn't have pitchers back in the day guaranteeing that you're going to get Tommy Tommy John surgery so maybe it's because guys are just throwing gas they're hard throwers now instead of pitchers but we are seeing so many injuries in baseball and they need to to hopefully get to the root of it Cardinals will try to stay healthy tonight as they take on the Dodgers in the finale of the series at Dodger Stadium, 810 on Bally Sports Midwest. Coming up, speaking of the St. Louis Blues and what they need to do to turn things around for 2021-2022, we're going to talk to Emily Kaplan of ESPN.com next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. And always great to talk hockey with Emily Kaplan of ESPN.com with the Stanley Cup playoffs going on and the Blues out of the playoffs. We thought we'd talk a little bit about what the Blues can look for going forward. Emily is with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing okay. How are you guys? Everything's great here in St. Louis, except we we kind of miss having hockey at this time of year. (laughs) Yeah, you guys got a little spoiled two years ago with a very long run, and then you see the rest of the way the rest of everyone else has it. But I know Blues fans are used to having this, so um, it's not fun for anyone. You want to be playing at this time of year. Of course. And, Emily, you have a great piece up at ESPN.com where you break down what went wrong for the Blues this season and this postseason. And aside from the injuries, when you look at this season for the St. Louis Blues, what do you think was the main problem? Mm, that's a great question. Um it was just a lack of cohesiveness, and I can't quite explain it. You're right. Injuries were a huge part of it, and when you're missing big players for long periods of time, um, you, you lack that cohesion. Um, but there's something about the team. They just never had an identity. It never really felt like it was all gelling together for them, um, and I, I think that's what played out at the end of the season as well. Emily, Vladimir Tarasenko has not played much. He's only played 34 games over the last couple of years. Goes to Russia and scores a couple of goals yesterday in the World Championships. What are you hearing about Vladdy? Is he a guy that would be of interest if left unprotected by the Blues for Seattle? Yeah, you know, he has a large cap hit. And one thing about the Kraken is they do have to meet the salary cap floor. Um, That said, it would really, really blow my mind if the Blues did leave him unprotected. I understand the concerns about someone who's had this many injuries, especially shoulder surgeries, and wondering, will he ever be the same player? Um, but he is a dynamic, dynamic scorer. And just to give up on him um, would, I think, be remiss. I, I think it would be a mistake. So, yes, you know, obviously if he's there available, I think he would be interesting to the Seattle Kraken. He's a marquee player they could build around. I just would be really surprised if the Blues left him there. Emily, how active do you think Doug Armstrong is going to be this offseason? Because on one hand, clearly this Blues team wasn't working. As you mentioned, lack of identity. There was a lot of issues there. 
But on the other hand, you could certainly look at this season and the last season. You can look to the pandemic as reasons for the Blues' lack lack of success. The injuries were certainly there. So I think Doug Armstrong has a really difficult decision to make, whether he wants to stick with this core and make a few tweaks here or there or completely overhaul the roster. So how active do you expect him to be? I expect him to be pretty active. You know, Doug Armstrong's reputation around the league is someone who has conviction and someone who acts on it. Um, and if he doesn't think that the core or the nucleus is right, he's going to act. Now, I don't think it's going to be a total blow up. I think, you know, there's still so many names on this roster who do work and they are committed to, you know, this is Ryan O'Reilly's team. Um, they're probably not getting rid of like Tory Krug, who they just signed soon. Justin Falk has been very good for them. You know, I think the biggest question for them is whether they re-sign Jaden Schwartz or not. That's the number one thing. Um, they also have to figure out a way to keep David Perron back. He's their leading scorer. He's been quite consistent for them, even as he, you know, ages out into his 30s. Um, he's someone that I would prioritize. Other than that, um, I, I really feel like we could see some movement. You know, maybe Tyler Bozak doesn't come back. Um, maybe you try to add some size on defense. Maybe you finally um, figure out that trade for Vince Dunn. So I think there also could be some surprise moves and maybe ones we're not thinking about because, again, that's Doug Armstrong's MO. He is someone who acts with conviction. He doesn't always do the popular decision, but he does what he feels is right. Emily, how open do you think the Blues window is to win another Stanley Cup? That's a question that we ask ourselves here in St. Louis a lot because after they won the Cup, we assumed it was a two- to five-year window. But when you look at this team, how open do you think that window is? I don't think it's necessarily – it's so hard to put a time frame on these things, especially this summer when there's so much unknown with this expansion draft, with the salary caps to hang flat. Um, you know, I think the good news for the Blues is that they do have young players coming up that can kind of um, retool on the fly. You look at someone like Robert Thomas or Jordan Cairo, and you're like, okay, you know, they can help them stay competitive and they have a nice pipeline coming up. Um, I do think, though, like if we're looking at the core of like Ryan O'Reilly, I mean, he's not he's only 30. Like, he, he's got some years left. So I'd say with this group, maybe the next three years, you, you'd prioritize winning. And if not, then maybe you start thinking about really big wholesale changes. Emily Kaplan of ESPN.com with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Emily, I thought one of the interesting aspects to uh, the, the piece at ESPN.com, you and Greg Wyshynski went through every team that either missed or has been eliminated from the playoffs. And uh, wrote down their keys to the offseason. And one of those for the Blues is ponder Craig Berube's future. Not decide, but ponder Craig Berube's future. Obviously, the Blues have been knocked out in the first round of the playoffs the last two years, but they have made the playoffs the last two years. How close do you think the Blues are to considering moving on from Craig Berube? All right, so I'm going to give a disclaimer. Greg Wyshynski wrote that. I disagree with him. <laughs> I, I think Craig Berube is the guy. I, I don't. I think it would be a rash decision to part with him this year, um, considering he has recently had success. He's gotten the most out of this group, and he did deal with a lot of injuries. And I don't think they're close. Um, that said, weirder things have happened. Crazier things have happened. Um, you know, there are a lot of really known candidates on the market right now. Um, who have success in the NHL. Gerard Gallant is out there. We saw what he did with Vegas in their first year of existence. Um, you know, you've got a guy, David Quinn just came from the Rangers. Rick Tockett's getting a lot of inter- in- interviews. Bruce Boudreaux, I probably wouldn't go that route personally. Um, there's also, like, outside box choices, like Ricard Gronberg from Sweden. There's a lot of guys that are out there, and maybe that's what excites Darm Armstrong. But 
I just feel like what are those guys going to do that Craig Rube hasn't been able to do? And I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure it's wholeheartedly better. They're committed to him. This is a franchise that, you know, doesn't want to pay too many people not to work. Um, so I don't think, uh, I think Greg Pruvit, Craig Pruvit will be back next year, but that is just me. Greg wishes he might think differently. <laughs> Emily, one more Blues question, and that's in regards to Colton Pareko, because when the Blues allowed Alex Petrangelo to walk, one of the reasons that they did, aside from the fact that he wanted a no-move clause, was that they thought that Pareko would grow into that role as a number one defenseman. I want to get you, because we look at him from a St. Louis view, a laser-focused St. Louis view. What's the league-wide view of Pareko? Does he have a chance to be a number one? Absolutely. Still young, um, has all of the attributes that you want, big, physical, um, really smart with the puck. Uh, I don't think anyone in the league is looking at whatever happened in this past season with the Blues, and really, frankly, all teams and saying this is the distinction of who this player is because it was such an unusual season with so many outside stresses, so many um, you know unusual aspects to it. So I think around the league, there's still a lot of faith in Colton Fraco, um, and he'll be just fine. Emily, who do you like to win the Stanley Cup? Because I think a lot of people here in St. Louis, after the Avs swept the Blues, it's hard for me to see any team beating them. Yeah, um, well, I'm firstly going to just embarrass myself and say that before the Stanley Cup playoffs, I have the Washington Capitals winning, so um, that's not great for me, Michelle. Um, so you probably don't want to listen to anything I say with uh, any authority, but um, no, the Avalanche look like the team to be right now. Like, they've got it all going on for them. As long as goaltending holds up, that's really their one maybe question mark, but it's held up so far. And on the when I say hold up, that's just Philip Grubauer remaining healthy because they don't have the depth behind him. Um, other than that, the Bruins look really, really good to me. I think that the Islanders are one of the toughest tests for them. But if they can get past it, um, I, I think, honestly, Bruins and Avs, those are two really great picks right now. And finally, Emily, what happens with the Maple Leafs now? <laughs> great question. You know, I think it's hard for Kyle Dubas, their GM, because he's proven that he can evolve. Like, yes, he built a team on skill, but the last year he was focused on veteran leadership and grit. And it's like, okay, well, you've tried this, you've tried that. Then what else can you try? Um, I do think that they do need to make some changes. you got to change the nucleus. Maybe it is in coaching, and maybe Sheldon Keith is the guy. I think they will ponder that this offseason. <laughs> um, but, you know, for whatever reason, there is some psyche with this team, and they just can't get over this hump. And I, I really have a lot of empathy because no – all of these players are not responsible for all of the past success, but they've all had some pretty bad failures within this core. They really have. And it's kind of like the Cubs going there 100 years. It's, it's amazing that a, a franchise that makes that much money and has that fan base can go as long as they have without being in the finals. And it's, even if you're a rival of them, you kind of have to feel for their fans. Yeah, and you break, make a great point. Like, they're so valuable. They make so much money. They also spend so much money. Like, AHL team, I've heard their budget is, like, double or maybe even triple than some other AHL teams. Um, so it just shows in the sport that, yes, money can buy you a lot of things, but maybe not a Stanley Cup championship. Exactly. Emily, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the playoffs, and hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. My pleasure. Bye, guys. Thank you. Emily Kaplan, ESPN.com, with us on 101 ESPN. And by the way, the piece is really interesting. And as she noted, Greg Wyshynski wrote the blues part of that. But it's an interesting piece at ESPN.com. Coming up next, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. (laughs) 
All right, it is time for... You're killing me, Smalls. And, Randy, we're going to kick this segment off with a little breaking news. Mm. 101 ESPN Breaking News Alert. A lot of people in this town, Boston Celtics fans, because of our very own Jason Tatum. So how about I give you a little Woj bomb to sprinkle in your coffee this morning? Two different Woj bombs. The first one from Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. Danny Ainge expecting to step down as president of basketball operations for the Boston Celtics. Brad Stevens is expected to assume a more prominent front office role with the team. But the second part of this is that with Brad Stevens moving into the front office on a full-time role, the Celtics are starting a search for a new head coach. The staff and coaches have already been been informed of this change. So obviously a shakeup needed to happen there. But Brad Stevens now going to the front office and not being the head coach of the Boston Celtics. Very interesting. Danny Ainge had been their president of basketball operations since 2003. They haven't won a championship since 08. And they've been through a lot of different players. And losing Jalen Brown this year hurt. But even if they have Brown and Kemba, they still need another guy. They don't have a real point guard and they really didn't have a solid big man. And now they're tied. They used to lead everybody in championships. They're tied with the Lakers. And I can see how Ainge would get worn out after 18 years of doing that job. There is a shelf life for head coaches in the NBA. I can see how Stevens would want to start looking at the personnel side of things. To me, the most intriguing aspect of all of this is who's the new person on their bench? Who's going to guide that team? Because they still got quality youth with uh, Brown and, and Smart and Tatum. I'm interested to see what direction they go in terms of a coach. I am too. And to your point about sometimes the role just wears you down. Woj follows up saying that Danny Ainge has been contemplating leaving this job for several months. He's been talking about possible succession plans with ownerships. Stevens was the Celtics' first choice to assume this role. Ainge moved because Danny Ainge had moved from head coaching in the NBA to the front office with Phoenix. But Brad Stevens, according to Woj, has been worn down with coaching since the bubble. And he welcomed the chance to make the transition to the front office, and he's going to help find his successor. But it is a very difficult job. And remember it was interesting a couple months back where people thought maybe Indiana would empty the tank and give Brad Stevens all the money to go there and, and revitalize that program. And... If he's worn down being the head coach of an NBA team, I know it's different circumstances. You're never going to go back to coaching college because the demands there are are different with recruiting and all of that. And I could see how the pressure in Boston with every headline every day questioning you and questioning your success and if you are the right person for the job could be taxing. That team was really close about four years ago, and then they acquired Kyrie Irving. And they've never been the same since they had Kyrie on that team. The curse of Kyrie? Kind of. Because Kyrie wants to play with veteran guys. He wants to play with Durant and Harden. He he didn't want to play with a bunch of kids, but he landed there. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't a great leader for that group. And I don't know that that group of kids really had, from another player, great direction. That's another thing they need to bring in, in addition to a coach, is a player that understands how to win in the NBA. That's a hard thing to find. Well, LeBron always talked about how going to Miami was like him Mm -hmm. getting his master's, like him going to college because he was able to be in an organization with someone like Pat Riley, who he learned a lot from. He had the support, obviously, and Dwayne Wade, who'd been there before, and with Chris Bosh. And I hope that Jason Tatum 
finds the sweet spot that they're able to to build around him because what better piece to build around than Jason Tatum? If you're Boston, you have what most teams are searching mm-hmm. for and a superstar that is an amazing teammate, an amazing leader, an amazing face of your franchise. Oh, and who, by the way, has the skill set to back it up. So they have a window to win and they need to maximize it. And if you're Brad Stevens and you've been in that, that uh, coaching fraternity, and you made the playoffs every year after arriving from Butler. Do you look to the college ranks just like they did for you? Mm. I would think that pool of potential Celtics coaches is very deep. Oh, yeah, for sure. Is there anyone I'm putting on the spot here? Anyone that you have in mind initially? I would have to dig into it. But I'm, I'm trying to think of somebody. Off the, bat. The, the most intriguing one for me right off the top of my head is Jay Wright, the head coach mm. of Villanova. And that would be, I'm assuming, a a job that he would probably leave for. You would think so. It's a very desirable job. Big money. And like you said, superstar talent there. And a legacy franchise. And and when you have Brad Stevens as your boss, a guy that understands what you're dealing with. That's not a bad call with Jay Wright, Randy. Thank you. You're killing me, Smalls. All right, let's stick in the NBA. Damian Lillard was electric last night. He had 55 points. He broke an NBA playoff record by hitting 12 three-pointers, but it unfortunately was not enough. Portland fell in double overtime to the Nuggets in Game 5 last night. That's a shame because Damian Lillard is a legitimate superstar, but so is Nikola Jokic and Denver. It's a shame because Denver won. But it's also a shame because Damian Lillard deserved to win that game. And it's one of those (laughs) things where, yes, if you are in that city and you're cheering for the laundry, it's one thing. But as an outside observer, when you watch someone generate that sort of output and they have such an unbelievable individual performance, the fact that he couldn't win that game, it was awful. I'm watching the the last few minutes of that game and I'm watching Damian Lillard go off and I'm I'm looking around at his team. I'm like, you guys have got to summon the will to win this yeah, game right. for him. Figure it out somehow. But also in that series, it's really interesting to see Michael Porter Jr. at the next level and what he's become for Denver. And you wonder what the upside, the ultimate upside is for Michael Porter Jr. If he can stay healthy, Heck, he, he was the number one recruit in the country. He was regarded at Mizzou before he ever played a game. He was the voted the preseason mm-hmm. SEC player of the year, not freshman of the year, player of the year. I'll be interested to see if he's ever healthy, what he's capable of, because what he's capable of in short spurts is amazing. It is. And health is always the key. Yep. You're killing me, Smalls. Well, another game last night, Randy, and it was not as close as the double overtime loss between Denver and Portland. We're talking about Phoenix and the Lakers. Phoenix just absolutely dismantled the Lakers. They won 115-85, to and LeBron left the game early. He actually walked through the tunnel early. You saw him leaving. Now, the team says he was going to get his treatment early, but a lot of people are questioning LeBron and questioning him leaving the floor, leaving his team before the game's over. After the game, he said, we got our ass kicked. It's that simple. They did whatever they wanted to win this game. They did. And it was almost as if the Lakers were allergic to the lane defensively. It was unbelievable how many opportunities Phoenix got inside. Just completely uncontested. Nobody there to play defense. So if I were LeBron James, and by the way, that's a spot where Anthony Davis, who didn't play last night, is usually a force. If I were LeBron James, I would have been frustrated too because the guys that he was playing with last night didn't exhibit the basketball fundamentals you need to win. LeBron has won 
with lesser talent yes. that at least tried hard. And it didn't look like to me like last night like the Lakers were trying hard except for him. Now, the Suns are leading the series 3-2. to two. If they advance, they're going to be the first team in 15 attempts to send LeBron packing in the first round of the playoffs. Wow. That's amazing. And they're pretty good. They're young. But DeAndre Ayton has been their best player in the postseason. We know that Devin Booker is fantastic. They mm-hmm. add CP3, who's their leader. They've got a lot of really nice elements on that team. And if you don't, if you're the Lakers and you don't have AD, you don't have an answer for DA, DeAndre Ayton. Mm-hmm. Also, they have amazing jerseys. The Valley? Love those. Yeah, me too. It's a pretty good spot, too. It's not a bad place to go to a game and just walk in with your short sleeves on in December and pretty cool i like it i like phoenix i know you do you're an arizona guy kind of yeah more than florida or california you arizona guy yes i am you got that right thanks michelle you got it randy coming up we're going to cross things over with danny mack and the dan mclaughlin show coming up at the top of the hour on 101 espn we're right back to the character and smallman podcast on 101 espn (laughs) The Dan McLaughlin Show with BK coming up at the top of the hour here on 101 ESPN. Dan had a late night with the Cards and Dodgers last night. Another one tonight with the Cards and Dodgers. And the Cardinals trying to take the rubber game of the three-game series. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How about you guys? We're doing really well. Not as well as Tyler O'Neill, though. Well, I guess, yeah. It's a good game. He's got it going. He does. Were you guys talking about that all morning? Yes. What else were you guys talking about? Uh, you know what? We could have used you for our Aaron Rodgers segment. We were oh, talking I don't about, want to talk about it. I'm done this, with him. Is this real? And I was like, you know who would love to weigh in on this is Dan McLaughlin. I'm done with him. <laughs> he's going to go back to the Packers. He's going to make all the money he wants. He's using his leverage, which is what uh, you do. If you go, you know, we got a chance, but go make millions, go make some more millions. Why I don't not? Know if it's about money, though, I think at oh, this point, on. this is Michael Jordan. It became personal for me. I want the GM fired type actions. I add a few decimal points, zeros, <laughs> things just have a way of working out, I think. That's my that's my take. It's interesting though, because he also wants to win another Super Bowl. And as a quarterback in the NFL, you have to make that choice. Ben Roethlisberger said yesterday, I went to them and I said, I want to take less money because I want to have a chance to win. I want to be able to keep our players. And if you're the highest paid player in the league, it's really difficult to add the other fifty two guys for your roster. Good for him. Yeah, so it, it, you're talking to someone that truly does not care. <laughs> I, I don't care. I really don't. I mean, go play, don't play. I don't care. Do whatever you well, want. Well, he's the MVP of the league. I don't care. <laughs> you have a you have a contract. You signed it. You agreed to it. So either renegotiate oh, well, it or walk away, and then we all go on with our lives anyway. And I think the Packers are taking the approach: just walk away. Okay, great. So walk away or play under the contract that you signed. Mm-hmm. So I just follow the money. That's what just follow the money. He'll renegotiate and get more money and he'll wind up being under center for the Packers. That if, would be my guess. If they fire the GM. I, I think even if they would bring back the GM, I bet he's going to want to play and he's going to want to make millions of dollars and be a star and everybody asking for his interview and geez, can you do this for us? Sure, Aaron, we'd love it. Okay, great. Do you think that someone will be parked Do on I his... Do sound like I'm really into it? 
Really? Yes, I'm really fired up. Do you think someone will be parked on his lawn, though, Edward or style, like they did for Brett Favre, just no. to wait to see if he comes uh, in? There might be some house. local stations from, like, Milwaukee or something, Green oh, Bay. He, he's not there, though. He's in Hawaii. Well, that's true. That's right. That's true. He was on a beautiful trip. Uh, what is he, skydiving or something or so, jumping off of rocks? So, yeah. Something yeah. like that. With, yeah. Is it uh, Shailene? I, Shailene? I was about Woodley. to say Olivia. Yeah. Oh, no, that's... No, that's old. That, that's old. Yeah. That's old school. Yeah. And then... Miles Teller? Miles Teller. Did you yeah. guys stay up don't for the I baseball game last night? I did. Because I you really betcha. don't care about talking about Aaron Rodgers. And, and if you do, you guys can keep going, and I'm going to wait till my show. <laughs> no, we uh, we mentioned right off the top that we talked a lot about uh, Tyler O'Neill. Yeah. And John Gann, who's amazing. I don't know how he's doing it, because um, if you look at his, so his expected ERA, which is fine. You can get into those things and start looking at all the numbers, and, it, and there is a thing called expected ERA. It should be about five and a half, mm-hmm. almost six. It's unbelievable how he gets out of jams with the with runners on. Teams are hitting like 120 against him or something like that. It's crazy. Um, he had, again, some walks. I think he had three last night, but he got you through six. Um, and you were lined up to have Gallegos in the seventh, the eighth, and then get to Reyes in the ninth. It just didn't work out for Giovanni. And I, I think you're going to have issues like that when you keep rolling out the big mm-hmm. three and they haven't had off days you know, this, the, the not this weekend, but the following week when you have Cleveland come in. So you got an off day on Tuesday and I'm sorry, Monday. And then you have an off uh, play Tuesday, Wednesday, off day, Thursday. If you can try to give those guys some way a break in the Cleveland series and get some games or days together where you don't have to use them, then I think you can kind of regroup. But when you got to go to them all the time, it, it's just you're going to have a situation where he throws 30 pitches last night and gives up a two-run homer and is not as effective as you normally expect him to be. See, I Yes, it is the big three. Unfortunately for the Cardinals, it appears to be the only three right now. Well, I, I'd like to see what happens here with Woodford. I, I am intrigued with him. Uh, I'm with you. I, I Would think you like to see him start? I, I told Michelle he'd be my number one to. choice. Mm-hmm. I, I think you may have to. Now, I haven't really had a deep dive into how the schedule works out because Oviedo is going to get the next start. I'd rather see Oviedo, if all was to plan, be in the minor leagues and stretch him out as a starter and keep him on a schedule and tell him, go have success in the minor leagues. Like, we we love you. We think you're really good. You're going to have great success here. But it's kind of a reset. You need to go have success against the minor league guys. And bottom line, he's got to throw strikes. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't throw strikes, he's not going to go deep. And then it trickles down into your bullpen. So uh, I don't know, though, how deep you could go with Woodford at this point because he's been used as a reliever and hasn't been stretched out. Right. It would take a little bit. You know, you're talking about a month maybe, get a few starts under his belt to hopefully get through five or six. That's the only concern I would have. So that means that Oviedo's got to be in your rotation. And, Dan, one of the things that's going to happen, and we'll talk about this more as days and weeks go by, is that with a smaller draft, only 20 rounds, and with fewer minor leaguers, you're going to have more people like Hicks and Helsley and Oviedo that never see double-A AA or triple-A. Uh, we looked it up this morning. I think it was Oviedo has eight innings above double-A aside from right. the majors. And Hicks has none. And there was another pitcher on the Cardinals has 21. I don't even remember who it was. But there, there is no A ball or triple A ball for these pitchers. They're being brought up. Oviedo, the prime example here, he hasn't had a chance to get seasoned. And Libertor, you know, I, I think some fans would say, well, what's going on with Zach Thompson? 
hasn't been great. He's he's actually been pitching out of the bullpen at, yeah. at uh, in the minor leagues. And then Libertor went with Team USA, had a good start. But you're asking, I mean, think about this. You're asking a guy that has not pitched above A ball, who's made a considerable jump to AAA, and then all of a sudden try to do that with not having a season last year and come up and now maybe you try to catch lightning in a bottle. I would really doubt that they would do that. So what are your alternatives? Maybe you got to look outside the organization or you, you hope that Oviedo or Woodford, if you stretch them out, can be an option. And if you look outside the organization, you just gave up five guys for Nolan Arenado. Again, smaller minor league system. So how much do you want to give up in terms of overall quantity mm-hmm. you might have to give up quality to get a kyle gibson and the other thing too is when you look at the injuries like with bader and others especially when the outfielders have been hurt uh the outfielders are hurt in the minor leagues yeah scott hurst is hurt lars Newbar had had played really well he got hurt the the injuries right now in baseball are crazy especially in the minor leagues i don't know if you guys have looked at that mm-hmm. michelle we were talking off the air about it the mm-hmm. cubs have been decimated with injuries and playing well but there's a lot of injuries, so I, I just don't know if they can dip down in the minor leagues if that's going to be an answer. Looking forward to the Danny Mac show. What do we have coming up? BK, we'll, we'll uh, recap and uh, what happened last night. We have Rick Honeycutt coming up, oh, former honey. pitching coach of the uh, the Dodgers, pitched here in St. Louis, long Great major guy. league career. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right, looking I, forward uh, to No that. Aaron Rodgers talk. None. None. I'm done with it. Okay. Aaron Rodgers, free hour. Free hour of Aaron Rodgers. I don't want to talk about him. Great job today by our producer, engineer, Emily Butcher. Thank you. Thank you. And Michelle, this was fun. Happy hump day. Happy hump day. See you tomorrow. Thanks to you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. It's a well-known fact that good sleep leads to a happier life. Okay, maybe that's not a fact fact. But don't you just feel amazing after a great night's sleep? Like the first night back in your own bed after traveling. It's time to demand more first night back kind of sleep. Stop tossing and turning and talk with your doctor about how you can seize the night and day. And visit SeizeTheNightAndDay.com to learn more.